I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of October 2022, uh, and today we're going to be doing a very special theatrical edition of Catching Up on Cinema. This is a rare occurrence on the program, but uh, today we're going to be talking about something that is actually currently contemporarily screening in theaters. Uh, However, that is not how Kyle and I uh, viewed this film, being as it also released direct to streaming via the Peacock service. So um, just like every podcaster under the sun that reviews films for a living, we don't do it for a living. Um, We just do it for fun. Uh, We are going to be talking about David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends uh, from the year 2022. Uh, Now, Kyle, uh, we have actually reviewed uh, both of David Gordon Green's previous Halloween films. Um, How were you feeling about this one when you went into it? (laughs) Well, I... I guess I went into this not expecting much, and I think we talked about this maybe on a on a, a previous podcast, or uh, maybe we just in, like before we started recording, we were talking about I had read something about how critics tend to review. I don't know how true this is, but uh, critics tend to start releasing their reviews of movies about two weeks before a movie if it tends to be pretty good. If they're like they want to drum up interest, they want to get people to the theater, and they want people to come see it. They'll release reviews early. However, if they don't have confidence in something or if they don't really think something's going to do well, uh, they don't release reviews until nearly before it it comes out just so they just don't want people to know about it and not really sure. Or (laughs) they just say, well, people, we don't know what it's supposed to be. We'll just go see it anyway. But if you hear that people think it sucks and less people are inclined to go see it, apparently the reviews for this were released the day before, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So I read that. Oh, about a about a week before this was supposed to release, I'm like, oh no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> They're not the reviews aren't supposed to release uh, until right before. Um, I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting that this was going to have probably some good kills, which it does. It's got it's got a few good kills, um, uh, but I was expecting the story to be pretty wonky and. We may we may actually like untangle a good story here. But just after talking about it, but from what I viewed, it's not great. I didn't particularly care how they handled this movie and the way they went with the story, but I was expecting the story to be my problem. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise both Kyle and I, after ripping Halloween Kills, a new one, um, I, I don't think it was possible for either of us to have any sort of hype going into Halloween Ends. It's just, it was just kind of, you just kind of feel apathetic after Mm -hmm. that where it's just like you know we all know there's going to be a third one Uh, hollywood loves trilogies studios love trilogies but the way that film went down it's just like oh i mean i have no idea where they're going to go with this but i don't imagine it's gonna be worse and you know if we're being totally honest i don't think it is worse i do think it is probably a better film um i actually found that like in general, I, I found this to be a, a pretty well-made film, but it has some wonky issues to it, a lot of which have to do with sequencing uh, and the structure of it, because the the dialogue is, is still a little clunky. Like, the, the way some of the characters emote and, and the way they express themselves does have a unnatural quality to it, very similar to Halloween Kills, where it's very blunt. Where it's like, people mm. don't really 
talk in these these broad concepts like they do in these films but i found it to be less grating in this one than i did in kills um and on the whole i found it to be pretty well made but uh, there's there's some strangeness uh, to the way it's put together in particular um and just so so we're clear right up front folks at home here at catching up on cinema we always do full full spoilers um and this will be no exception um so if somehow you're a person who is interested in seeing halloween ends who has yet to see halloween ends um maybe you just shouldn't bother <laughs> being as it's been out for a couple weeks and you know if if you're really hyped to see the last part of a trilogy of a gigantic fucking franchise and you have yet to do so um i don't know what the fuck that means but um yeah so we are going to be getting into full spoilers and whatnot but i guess the the cast is pretty much everybody from the last two movies uh except for michael anthony hall who's dead and our new addition this time around i think the only new addition we have is Corey. really that matters he's our our next main our, our new main character basically yeah virtually everyone else is fully fleshed out uh by this point they've been with us for at least two in many cases three films if you include halloween 78 um so yeah, really, it's it's just the Corey character played by Rowan Campbell, uh, who is not an actor that is known to me. I will say that I, I was impressed with his performance. I did think he did what was asked of him, and he certainly has the look that they were going for. Um, apparently, he's a fairly prolific uh, Canadian television actor. He's on the Hardy Boys. Like, apparently, there's a television show of that. All right. Um, but yeah, he's he's the one major addition to the cast. Everybody else has been here for a while, and we all we know them pretty well. Although, in the case of uh, Andy Matichak, she's given slightly more to do this time. Um, she was just kind of a ride-along character in the other film. She still kind of is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but they start to take her in some interesting directions that actually I found to be some of the most uh, vexing aspects of the way this film is put together. Um, is that they started to do some interesting things with her, and then I really got the sense that they shied away from really fully pulling the trigger on what they were setting up with both her and Corey. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's our cast for the film. Nobody knew except for Corey. Yeah, so uh, 2019 Haddonfield, I don't know where that places us in the context of the film. So is this after Michael Myers? So we're assuming 20. 20- I believe this is after. This is a year uh, after Kills, I believe. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, filming, yes, for sure. 2018 was <laughs> before 2019, but I wasn't sure chronologically uh, if this was, yeah. But anyway, so Corey's going to babysit for some folks. He's 21, uh, and he's babysitting, and he says he's saving up for college, so he's not even in college yet. Um, but these folks are going to go out for a uh, like Halloween party. He's having this kid watch The Thing. And he does get pretty far into the movie. He's like, I don't think this is appropriate for kids. I should probably turn this off. Um, and I think the little Jeremy kid uh, ends up calling him a bitch or something. Like, he just, like, turns on him for some reason. And then he goes to the fridge. Uh, Corey goes to the fridge and for some milk, which was... Uh, he's like, I was going to grab a beer, but then he goes for milk. And then fucking little, little, uh, the little kid's just gone. He just disappeared. So now panic's setting in. He's got to search the house for this kid. Um, I'm really glossing over like uh, like a few details here, just getting move, move pa- uh, kind of move past it. But when we first are introduced to the family, they're looking for the little kid, and we notice that it's a three-story house, huge, huge stairwell, and the little kid scares his mom. 
So we're kind of like, oh, the kid's missing. He's probably going to try to scare Corey here. Yeah, he's a little shit. Uh, <laughs> but it's a very nice house. And by the way, I, I, uh, the movie actually begins with the production credits with a, a radio broadcast, just the audio of a radio broadcast oh. that kind of, for lack of a better term, haunts the film uh, throughout it, most of its runtime. Yeah. This radio station is fairly ever-present. Um, I love the song uh, that plays over the opening. I need to I need to go back and look it up because it, it's a it's a fun little like monster mash style like like oldie like yeah. Halloween jig. It's a lot of fun. I liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, this kid Corey is introduced to us, and I'm not positive what they're doing with the chocolate milk fixation. <laughs> I think it's meant to imply like innocence of some sort, where it's like yeah, he's a, he's there to do a job as a babysitter. He easily could have gone for the beer because he was also frustrated too because the kid, like you said, bitched him out. Um, I actually love the the line that the kid has where. It, Basically, the kid is upset that he got saddled with an ugly ass male babysitter <laughs> instead of like a hot teenage girl babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought had, that was cute. I had a crush on a couple of my babysitters as a kid. None we of them were fellas. None of them were fellas. I like yeah. that, but I think that's what the milk is there for. It's like he—it's demonstrating that he's still trying to be responsible, even though he has this moment where he has every right to be pissy. He does try to steal a bit of that cake. Nobody told you you could have that cake, Corey. Uh, <laughs> he never gets to it, though. But, um, yeah, the chocolate milk ends up being something he goes back to at one point. And the thing is a, is a really nice reference. It's a cozy reference to the previous films because in the, in the 78 original, the kids were watching The Thing from Another World. And now we're in 2019, and the kid is watching John Carpenter's own remake of The Thing. Uh, which yeah. is really cool and also not appropriate for little kids can speak from experience because i saw that when i was probably 10 <laughs> dad was in the room he approved he was like yeah hey, it's, it'll be fine i was in the nom <laughs> <laughs> it's fine uh yeah I, wa- I watched i watched the thing at just the right age uh but i think the distance i think the timing from halloween 78 from when a thing from another world came out is about the same time as when this movie takes place 2019 and when that movie came when the thing came out so it's it's right there <laughs> it makes sense in this um but yeah now he's looking for this kid and it, i it's hard to describe this other than it's just a really good atmospheric build of tension where we're looking for the kid but i think somebody else is in the house we hear you know uh walking and then cory ends up i think on the top floor and like the the, kind of an attic and he ends up getting locked in and he thinks it's the little kid and you hear the little kid it sounds like he's talking to somebody out there and but it, it, you're like kind of can't make out what he's saying um and he ends up getting out but the the family are coming in at the exact same time and this kid he ends up uh like cory ends up panicking and i think he he's kicking the, the door to try to get out of there and uh i think he ends up kicking the door and launches this kid over the banister and this kid just splats onto the third floor now it's pretty great in the movie because you're just not expecting that you're like oh we're we're killing kids in this okay that's that's something um but three like three floors i'm like i get some broken leg dude i don't think i mean i think you you're gonna break a few things but i don't think this kid's necessarily gonna die plus they're mostly rubber at that point just bounce right off (laughs) he would just have that you know when you would be playing with your brother (laughs) 
and you'd or you hear like kids playing and you hear the head just hit the ground just that <laughs> and you're like oh shit <laughs> it got real <laughs> we gotta stop there's a very distinctive whack <laughs> of child's child's skull against up against like laminate basically <laughs> you know that noise you're like oh shit yeah um but yeah, yeah now, this- kyle have you ever seen final destination five or any of the final destinations <laughs> i've seen one of them and it's the second one. Oh, i mean that's a good one actually that that like actually i would argue is on par with the first one if not better like the kills are better in that one yeah, if you ask the, me the guy burning alive in his car is haunting you mentioned that uh yeah. when when i mentioned uh like great burning sequences in film you did mention that one on the highway in the opening Um, but yeah yeah, that that movie has a lot of good kills but the reason i bring up final destination 5 specifically i do actually really like those movies i have a soft spot for the rube goldberg like how's it gonna get him how's it gonna get him (laughs) setup um there's a a sequence at a uh, gymnastics meet where a gal flips off of some bars and she collapses she like a like a deflated accordion like collapses in on herself like a broken slinky um because she lands wrong mm-hmm. um and it made me think of this where it's like you say three stories it's like ah, kill me all right just throw dirt on it you'll be fine it's like dude if you hit that if you are completely at the mercy of gravity and physics yeah, and you're not able to land properly your body could be destroyed <laughs> and this kid this effect is rendered it's chef's kiss like yeah. beautifully because because this kid is folded in half on himself and you just see this this dummy go <laughs> <laughs> right have, as his parents are coming through the front door <laughs> we, we did have a, a um a family that we went to church with when we were very i was very young but five or six my dad told me that their father had died he fell off of a, a ladder and he was like 12 feet up i think he broke his mm-hmm. neck and died and i'm like damn I don't know if that's how he actually died. My dad was just trying to keep me off ladders, but at least that's what he told me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, he he ends up uh, falling off this uh, off this three story fall right when the family get there, basically. So they get in there, yeah. and and I think Corey's like, is he up at the top? And they think he did it, or is he, he's also holding a knife. Uh, is the other thing? I it mean, does not look good. Physically, he did do it. Uh, it yeah. was an accident, but mm-hmm. also kicking other people's doors open it's, you know it's not your house but yeah. it's like this this is where the the writing and the the sequencing of events in this story is a uh, frustrating because just because of the nature of the film industry it's like they there's no way they knew that they were making a trilogy when they made halloween 2018 um it's kind of similar to the uh the star wars sequels uh, the the Ray trilogy, um, where you do get the sense that there was not a proper roadmap. It's like we where we began was not where we ended, kind of. So it's lacking in symmetry. Symmetry, like like the the character arcs don't don't flow properly. Mm-hmm. And this film, you really do get that sense because this character of Corey, and it's it's not hard to find opinions that will that will you know agree with this line of thinking. This character of Corey feels like, had we started out with this this ending in mind, he should have been a, an element in the stories of the previous two films, or at least one of them. He shouldn't just appear here and have two hours of development, and that's all. Because we needed more time with him. 
Um, but I did like the the swerve of this opening sequence where we do because we're watching a Halloween movie and we know that this sequence is taking place during Halloween. Of course, we, the viewer, are expecting Michael Myers uh, to be an element in this prologue. And they do kind of tease it where, like, the kitchen knife disappears and, like, the front door is open. Corey's, like, stalking around the house trying to find the kid because he's like, oh, shit, I'm a babysitter. I just totally dropped the ball. Um, but instead, it ends up being this really tragic sequence where he gets locked in attic and for some reason again if we had more character development time with him maybe we could understand why he was so terribly freaked out in that attic because he he didn't even sit there for like a minute he was already panicked and maybe it's because he believed the kid on the other end of the door thinking that michael myers was coming for the kid and he wanted to help um, but either way, he ends up kicking the door. Uh, the doorknob hits the kid in the fucking face. And off he goes, off the banister, uh, and into a bloody heap uh, in front of his in front of his parents. Chris uh, Snap the title, theme music. <laughs> I, I like this thing. I like the Halloween ends. Uh, the, the, it's cool credit, cre- uh, cool credit sequence. There we go. I thought it looked pretty good. It's, it's fantastic. And yeah. it's also thematically interesting because it's, it's a... It's a jack-o'-lantern shedding its skin and revealing new faces underneath. And mm-hmm. uh, the phrase, like, what was it? Michael Myers, the more he kills, the more he transcends, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the power of his ability to generate fear and panic in the masses. Um, so, transformation, is, it's a theme. And also, it applies to the later events of this film. But really cool. Uh, it looks almost stop-motion-y, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, then we get uh, we get some Jamie Lee Curtis voiceover, uh, and we're kind of referencing back to the first uh, David Gordon Green Halloweens. And apparently, Michael has haunted this town now. Uh, and I don't know if they were, if people are just killing themselves, or if there's been copycats, or if he's still just kind of around killing people. But we get a shot of like uh, a couple that are shot in a jeep. Uh, a woman hangs herself, and there's like just this kind of ominous. Uh, cloud over Haddonfield, uh, I suppose. Um, and we learn that. Um, is her name Lori? <laughs> uh, Allison is her granddaughter. Okay, yeah. Lori is writing a book. That's right. Um, so it, it, you're right when you're talking about how these characters kind of change and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So in the first Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis is a crazy person. Uh, <laughs> living off the grid not off the grid but like living out in the sticks basically uh like hoarding c4 and uh <laughs> not drinking and then i don't in the second one she's just in a hospital bed and then she's got her shit together and i'm like i don't i mean she, i mean she's doing well she or like her daughter's dead but she's you know living with her granddaughter uh yeah it, i feel like you'd take a while to shake the crazy off but she's just a functioning member of society now yeah it it's a uh... A strange turn because i actually really appreciated the way she was portrayed in halloween 2018 mm-hmm. where it's like she she is useful in the correct circumstances but beyond that she is badly damaged and barely holding it together and mm-hmm. they were not shy about showing that 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 like restaurant sequence when she shows up and she yeah. like has a breakdown it's awkward that was yeah. that was really awkward and like legitimately dramatic and also like felt very genuine um, but here, yeah, she she has it together. Like she even says as much. Like I've I've put things behind me, and this calls back to the the 
now ever-present theme of, of trauma being the, the central concept of virtually all contemporary horror films. That's very much what we're doing here, is exploring uh, the nature of trauma, except in this case, like with further distance put between the inciting incident and, and the survivors of it. Um, but this whole montage I felt to be very sloppy. It feels very hurried. It feels like something that where where like the studio is like you got to cut like ten minutes out of this fucker, like we got to keep this under two hours. It's a slasher. Come on, man. Um, so it's this hasty montage, basically getting us up to speed. It even has like footage from Halloween Kills as a reminder to the audience of what transpired in that film. Um, like Kyle had said, like there's a a cloud of just like depression and fear hanging over Haddonfield. That it it's very uh it's very Stephen King-esque. Like, it reminds me of Derry, uh, the, the town that, I mean, not several. just it took place there. Yeah. Like, like many of, like, several of his stories have taken place in Derry. But basically, they have something they call the Derry disease there, where it's like there's a cloud of apathy uh, that hangs there, where just, like, people don't take care of each other. They see bad things happen, and they keep walking, or they keep their head down. Uh, but yeah, there's, like, suicides, and someone else is killing people, because Michael Myers, you know... For as many kills as he has under his belt, he's never shot people before. Mm -hmm. um, and also we're reminded that Judy Greer uh, bit the dust at the end of Halloween Kill. She was Laurie Strode's daughter. Um, and yeah, the town is a shithole. It's a shithole, basically. <laughs> um, but now Laurie is a happy grandma that makes mm -hmm. pies. Not very well. No, she's a terrible baker, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, lo I love this scene of her losing her mind, like going downstairs because she burns a pie. I'm like, give her more roles where she curses because it is funny. Her just like, fuck, I burnt the pie. It's it's pretty great. Jamie Lee Curtis seems like a, a fun. She seems like a party grandma. Like like it seems to come very naturally to her because she has a couple moments in this movie where it's like, I'm pretty sure Jamie Lee Curtis probably just like lobbied to have that in the movie just so she could do it. Because she has a sense of humor about herself. She likes doing this shit. But the, she's writing a book is where this narration is coming from. Um, and it's called Stalkers, Saviors, and Sawan, which is spelt Sam Hain, but is not pronounced that way. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it, very important to the, to the, the Wiccans well, out there, the people who might care. How did you like how they uh, resolve the issue of the ending of Halloween Ends, which is how is Michael going to get out of this, where he is in the street just getting the shit beat out of him by people, and he just terminators his way out. In this movie, what they do is just like, Michael Myers mysteriously just disappeared after that. So they're just, they don't, they never explain how he got away. It's just, oh, it was crazy. He just up and disappeared. He's probably dead somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because like his his former home, the Myers house, which is a house, not like the Voorhees house where they made that shit up um, <laughs> for uh, Jason Goes to Hell. The Myers house is an important landmark in Haddonfield. Like the end of Halloween Kills is he he's killing Judy Greer while Laurie Strode is doing a, a ominous narration. Uh, and I guess he took a pit stop to just stare out the window like like he routinely does uh in the top floor of his home and then somehow active crime scene that his house was at the at the time somehow he manages to evade any sort of police interception or anything so yeah he just bamfs out of existence after axing judy greer um and yeah i did like uh when laurie is trying to write her book where this narration is coming from it's a it's a nice little touch 
it takes her like three tries to finish the sentence because she's she's referencing this concept of evil and initially she refers to it as like him as in like i'm not speaking in a broad concept i have something very specific in mind when i'm when i'm referencing this concept it's a person i've fought with him a couple of times in my life and then she has to like backpedal and like okay let's let's widen the scope a bit and then she's like okay let's widen the scope a little bit we're trying to heal here (laughs) Uh, it was it was a nice touch because it's just a reminder that it's like she's telling herself she has it together like on the outside she lives in a cozy little home she's baking pies uh, she's writing and she's taking care of her granddaughter but inside it's a it's an ongoing struggle it's a nice little touch but yeah she burns that pie and uh, she has to (laughs) run down the stairs like she got some speed man she got Mm -hmm. like older gal but she got some speed but she she has to like yeah she got a like i think they have to tag team the fire alarm or something like she and her granddaughter yeah uh yeah they they end up getting the the fire out that was gonna make you a pumpkin pie and uh i think allison's off to work she's got scrubs on uh she works in a hospital uh clearly um this Kid Corey, I don't know if she passes him when he's walking, but Corey works at a junkyard now. He's alive. I'm guessing he they didn't press charges or they just it just didn't happen. Uh, I think it's explained as like it went through the court system and somehow he got through unscathed. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> dead, dead kid. So, oh. Uh, <laughs> They usually they usually do something about that, um, but I, so Allison gets pulled over by this cop, and I thought it was her dad that was pulling her over because she's just like, oh, did you not want to see me? I'm like, because I don't remember the father. I don't know if the father died, and that was just kind of the deal. I don't remember a father. Her figure. father was the whiz from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, no recollection I, of this man comedic actor I oh yes you're up. right i forgot about him yeah he's the whiz and nobody beats him except that's for right. michael myers <laughs> that's right that's right yeah so i had to go back into my notes I'm like i guess her dad stopped and talked to her I'm like, oh no that was the guy she was dating it's this dude that she used to date this dude looks old as fuck compared to her yeah yeah there's about 20 years between them from what i can tell <laughs> Eesh. yeah it doesn't look great yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, Corey works at a junkyard, and the junkyard owner was like, "Hey, you're late, but I got you a motorcycle." Uh, and I'm like, "Okay." I didn't realize this was his father or stepfather. Uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird how they to- they tell us that. It's just like he's in the dinner scene later. It's like, oh, so that's his dad. Okay, weird. Um, but yeah, Corey goes to uh, the gas station, and what did you think about this jock group? I just called them warm bodies because I'm like, they're gonna die later. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, do you want the Michael Imperioli, or do you want me to tell what I what I thought? You already spilled the beans, Kyle. You may as well get into it. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> okay, so these jocks are uh, how he. So they they stop Corey and they're like, "Hey, why don't you go in there and buy us some booze? We're we're banned. We're banned. Uh, we're in the band, and we need to let you know, like let off some steam." But this kid's wearing a Letterman jacket, which I don't think. Band, yeah, I guess band people did have a Letterman jacket. My my uh, my wife was in band, and she definitely has a Letterman jacket in there. Maybe they just get jackets for it. But uh, this kid is doing his best impression of Michael Imperioli, and he's just like a little little miniature Michael Imperioli in this. 
miniature? Are you sure about that? I'm about the same height. About the same height. He looks like my. He's like Michael Imperioli in the first couple seasons of Sopranos. Uh, maybe not so much what he looks like now. Um, yeah, he's not as puffy. <laughs> yeah, not as puffy. But uh, yeah, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's embarrassing getting your ass kicked by high school kids. Uh, <laughs> and he's he's bigger than this kid too. Like he could actually thump him. I think he'd be okay. Uh, they end up. Uh, he ends up. They end up pissing him off, and he breaks his uh, his thing of YooHoo. And they like, oh, he broke his chocolate milk, and I'm like, that's not that's not chocolate milk. YooHoo's not chocolate milk. It's chocolate drink. It's water and milk. It's water and chocolate. <laughs> so you're wrong. I'm picturing Kyle like on the sidewalk, backpedaling. He'd be like, uh, uh, excuse me, I, I I overheard your conversation just now. I just need to correct you on that. <laughs> YooHoo is not chocolate milk. You high school kids picking on this guy who's older than you, doing a great job. That's not milk. That's YooHoo. That's chocolate drink. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess Lori was watching this whole time him getting picked on, and she comes over and she's like, hey, quit being a pussy. Here's a knife. Why don't you slash their tires, basically? She, uh, she borderline tells them to get off her lawn. <laughs> quit picking on that guy that's older than you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Quit it, picking on that man, baby. Uh... Yeah, so she ends up seeing Corey's hand, and she takes him to the doctor's office that Allison works at. Yeah. By the way, um, the other uh, warm bodies, as Kyle characterized them, uh, we have the most terrifying-looking young man I've seen in quite some time. Uh, Bleached eyebrows and borderline white supremacist haircut. It's a it's a mullet that seems like it's representing an organization. I was getting some green room vibes from this, Kyle. Yeah. But the eyebrows—that that is a signal. Like like nature has many ways of implying "do not touch" or like "do not engage." Those are some of them. Bleached eyebrows. <laughs> Th- those eyebrows and that haircut and uh, that that drumstick. That that just like perpetually spinning drumstick in the one hand is a uh, quite intimidating. Um, and then there's a a, husk, a husky gal with bad hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, the mouthpiece. Like she's just some other gal that just like spits hot fire. She spits venom constantly. She's the hype man for for the Michael Imperioli lookalike. I haven't been in high school for a long time. I don't know what the friend groups look like these days. But even the Breakfast Club makes more sense than this this group of people. I mean, these look like people that would not hang out with each other. But again, I don't know what they're what it's like now. Uh, yeah, being a casting director is probably very complicated these days um but point is all of these people uh, most assuredly are going to have bad things happen to them (laughs) yes um yes yeah so she goes to the doctor's office and the doctor's working on uh working on Corey, and he's kind of making eyes at uh allison and the doctor's like cute isn't she i'm like what are you doing dude that's not that's not okay you do that if it's like a little kid who clearly has like a crush on like you can just see like she's cute isn't she that would be something. That would be okay. Or this you, is adults. Or you do that if you're giving someone a shot or something. Yeah. Or you need them distracted for an instant. But here it's just wildly inappropriate. Yeah, very, very inappropriate. Uh, and this begins the stupid relationship of these two. I mean, I I do not understand like the timing on this. It's ridiculous. This is their little meet-cute. Um I don't know if they they talk much here or if somebody gets asked out, uh, but they they've got a vi- they've got a nice vibe going. She very aggressively 
pursues him for the most part. Like she's she's left in the room alone with him working on his hand, which has glass fragments in it from his chocolate drink uh, exploding that he squeezed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and there there's mention of her uh, not wanting his hand to get infected. And this mm-hmm. this is building on a theme that was introduced in the previous couple of films of like evil and fear being in a uh, like a contagion or an infection of some sort. And it, it's very bluntly inserted into this film and in specifically in reference to this character. But yeah, she's pretty aggressive about uh, wanting to get to know him and like wanting to be close to him. Um, and this is where like the characterization, like I said, ha- having it all smashed into this one film it uh, feels disingenuous i guess where it fe- it feels like had these seeds been planted earlier in this trilogy this would have been more organic and probably a lot more impactful like it would have carried so much more weight if maybe cory was present in the previous couple films and she knew him or mm-hmm. knew of him prior to the incident with the kid and then she we we would have immediate cause to identify the two of them where it's like holy shit she lived through her parents and many of her friends uh, being killed by michael myers um and this guy has this incident where he accidentally killed a child like like it, it would just the math would add up a little more cleanly i guess if if they had previously been associated with each other yeah um, but here it's just like the, their mute cute is they they meet in this doctor's office and as far as we understand that's the first time they meet Mm-hmm. And he's also known around town as like they think he's a pedophile. They think he's a child yeah. murderer. He doesn't have a good reputation. That's what the that's what yeah. the kids were were yeah. harassing him about. That's what they were throwing in his face. They got him so heated. Yeah. Uh, so he Corey is twenty five and he lives at home with a crazy helicopter mom. I'm talking absolutely bonkers. Uh, she is out of her mind. Um, let's see here. Why does it job? Oh, okay. So I'm like, what's I have Corey and Allison, semicolon, Jack with dad and car, dad's a dick. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Allison goes to the junkyard to see Corey for some reason because they've been going steady for a few months now. No, they haven't. They met fucking yesterday. This is so weird. No, there actually there actually is a reason for this. Um like I, I will give credit to the writers here. Um so when when they are at the clinic together she does actually ask him to come to a halloween party or a get together or something and he's like i don't know lady just met you and i you know i've got some shit to work out apparently you do too um and in the interim we do get to see uh our real housewife did in fact survive uh halloween kills uh she uh she escaped him much like the hobbitses uh, escaped the nazgul um, <laughs> what are you talking about there's a cast member from that show the real housewives um, who is part of the Halloween franchise. Uh-huh. She was a child in the first Halloween film. She reappears in Halloween Kills as the same character, as an adult, and now yeah. she's still alive in Haddonfield here. Okay, I, I, for some, I had to look up that episode where Jamie Lee Curtis was on The Real uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills uh, because somebody on Reddit's like, Jamie Lee Curtis is a bitch. Uh, fucking uh, Daniel Hare said so. And I'm like, what's happening now i'm like what's going on they're like yeah daniel harris said on her podcast that she was kind of mean to her and then you and then someone was like yeah i saw her on the the real housewives of beverly hills and she was such a dick to everybody i'm like okay i gotta go check this out and i watched the clip i'm like she seemed fine i don't (laughs) what are you guys talking about so i know exactly who you're talking about now 
I wonder what the nature of their of Daniel Harris and and Jamie Lee Curtis's interactions was. They they weren't involved in the same movie. <laughs> I think her and the girl who plays Laurie Strode in the uh, what's her name T- Taylor Compton whatever her name is. I think they have a podcast <laughs> together. Scout Taylor Compton. There you go. That's what I said. Um, I think they have a podcast together, and somebody mentioned that. Uh, but I'm like Danielle Harris always plays a stinker. Like she's always kind of a dick in all of her movies. I'm like she might just be a dick in real life too. We actually didn't mention that on our our review of Halloween Two, Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, but she is nasty in that movie. Like she is mean. She, that's just mean, man. Like to everybody. Like and understandably so. I mean, she got her ass kicked by Michael Myers. And she, she has to live and eat pizza with Brad Dourif every day of her life. But she know, looks I like mean, the. As I say, she looks like the. Jig, she looks like Jigsaw in that movie. She looks basically. like Jigsaw in yeah. that film. Sore. Yeah, I know. I do know that they set this up, but. When they get there, he's like having her sit on the motorcycle, and it's like a oh, what what I was saying was um, the reason she's there is because when she gets pulled over by uh, Deputy Doug, uh, the the guy that works for the sheriff's department that uh, appears to maybe have hair plugs and is twenty years older than her, and yet inexplicably dated her at some point, um, he says her like muffler is hanging loose, and he actually directs her to go to the junkyard. So oh. this is her like connecting the dots and being like "Ooh, if i get that thing that i need to get fixed fixed by that quote hot guy uh whose hand i fixed uh, i can kill two birds with one stone that guy that's got glasses and shaggy hair that may have killed a kid oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna dress up for this oh yes dream oh yes (laughs) (laughs) there's gotta be some like fucking jock who graduated five years before her who's working construction that she could cozy up with not this fucking guy yeah a, a, a matt dillon type if yes you know. <laughs> every town's got one there's always a matt dillon type I'm just every walking. town has a matt dillon or failing that a kevin dillon <laughs> who else is well here's okay so here's the problem trevor is who's who's the townie that starts shit with people who are from out of town or other lower tiered townies that guy that guy became a cop in this movie <laughs> But the cop in this movie is 20. He did it 20 years ago, which is the problem. They were so close. <laughs> See, I hate to say it, but, you know, I, we, we did say every town's got a Matt Dillon. We're failing that. A Kevin Dillon. I'm, unfortunately, Haddonfield probably just has a Jesse Plemons. <laughs> like, 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 like contemporary Jesse Plemons, not like slightly deflated Jesse Plemons. He, he's basically Matt Damon Mark II, except for arguably a better actor. Who's Jesse Plemons? Uh, he's an actor whose head is shaped like a kidney bean. <laughs> that that Look narrows it down. down. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that, oh, that, I mean, that in Hollywood that is, that is a rare skull shape. I mean, we got we got Rihanna in the music industry, but as far oh, as yes, male Clemens. actors in Hollywood, <laughs> yeah, oh yes. Oh, he's married to Kirsten. It? Yeah, he's married to Kirsten Dunst. Huh. How about that? Hey, he did quite well for himself. Did well. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's in. I thought you were talking about the Breaking Bad dude, but he is actually in Breaking Bad. Interesting. Oh, uh, no shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, they're having a weird little moment on the motorcycle, and then that jock, Michael Imperioli and his dad uh, show up, and it's because the uh the tire slash and it doesn't really matter i don't know if we're supposed to kind of sympathize with this character a little bit but his dad's a dick basically his dad's just kind of like this my fucking son he's a fucking idiot uh i don't really know what we're supposed to take away from that uh cory weaponizes it later 
like just uh, overhearing that oh, one yeah, interaction. Right. He's you're like, right. "Oh, I understand why you're a dick." <laughs> it's like it's because your dad is a dick to you. Okay, so I watched the movie Haunt from 2019. Excellent slasher movie. I highly recommend it. If you watch this movie, you should watch Haunt afterwards because it's much better. This <laughs> sequence with Laurie and Will Patton in the grocery store was more uncomfortable than that movie uh, for me. This is so. This is so bad. Did you? Could you look at? I could. I could barely look at the screen. I had to kind of just like up, oh, just kind of look down. I. I actually. I found this to be very charming. Oh. Um, in 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 that. Uh, disarming kind of way where it's like it is awkward as all get out but I don't know I, I like both of these actors like Jamie Lee Curtis and Will Patton Will Patton actually is a funny one because he actually does have a gift for being unsettling like he, he can be intimidating if he's asked to be but usually he's warm and he's most definitely warm in these films but they they bump into each other and throughout these movies it's it's been understood that He's got a thing for her. She's got a thing for him. They just never follow through on it for a variety of reasons. Um, I did love the uh, Muzak version of Don't Fear the Reaper uh, that is playing in the, in the grocery store. That was very cute. Um, and he's doing really well. Like, he's telling her that he's he's taken on new hobbies. He's relaxing. He's, he's seemingly found his peace. And... On the outside, we know that she's portraying herself to be the same way. It's not understood if he's also putting on a false front. But the way he's advertising himself is that, I'm doing great. Why aren't you? <laughs> uh, real quick before I forget, uh, we have to stop putting uh, Don't Fear the Reaper in movies. Because all I can think about, maybe it's just from our age, but all I can think about is more cowbell. I, all I can, anytime I hear that, it's just Will Ferrell's belly out dunk, hit, dunk, hitting the cowbell. Dunk, yeah. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Don't, don't. Yeah, yep. I, I can't not for, think of it. So when Christopher I hear, Walken need to be in the background of a scene here. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm like, you got to stop putting the movies because as soon as I hear the guitar riff, I'm like, kung, kung, kung. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I'm gonna completely disagree. This is fucking weird. And they end this interaction with, "I like your face." So do you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, oh yeah, I've, Pepsi got paid. By the way, uh, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is so awkward. They—they're just really—they're just really not prepared uh, to have this kind of interaction. Um, and also, like, I—you could—you uh, could apply this to earlier scenes in the film as well. Uh, probably, uh, I mean, the entirety of the film. Actually, there's there's something that I'm curious, like, if this jumped out at you, but I was. Noticing a pattern um, with the way the the narrative plays out in this film that I found to be interesting. I wasn't quite positive what it all meant, but it was interesting where it's like things are fine until they're not. And it's this pattern that continually plays out in this film where it's like everything's cool and then something goes horribly wrong. Um, and the way the characters are, you know, recovering from their trauma and have these horrible things in their past and are doing their best to appear that everything's fine. Um, it it has a it has an interesting vibe to it where you do get the sense that everybody's on edge, like they're just waiting for the sh the other shoe to drop, basically. Because like in the beginning of the film, like we're gonna have a great time, Corey says uh, to the kid before he starts babysitting him. That kid's dead. Uh, a few scenes later, 
I'm going to make a pie for my granddaughter the same way I've been doing for the past four years. Oh, shit, the pie caught fire. Mm-hmm. And then here, oh, I just had a wonderful conversation with an old friend. We we almost went out. Oh, and then we have this horrible interaction with a random lady in a parking lot immediately yeah. after that. And it continually, the movie, you get the sense that everybody's on edge just waiting waiting for the catastrophe that inevitably will come. And it's this pattern that continually plays out throughout this film. When, when something traumatic happens, it's it's best to, like, if you're in a certain place, like if you're in a house where, like, you witness a murder, like somebody gets killed, you should probably move away from that house because every time you go to that house, you're going to remember that murder. And I think the same goes for people. So when you associate somebody with something traumatic, it's going to kind of re-trigger that when you see them. But they're trying to move past that. And I feel like the, the story's just not letting that, like, it's not letting that happen. Like, it just, something bad's going to keep happening. It doesn't manifest of them, like, shaking, like, oh, shit, I remember the bad thing that happened. It's just something stops it. But this was a fucked up interaction that she does have with this person. Like, oh, you, you're smiling, huh? Having a good fucking day? My sister died because of you like her aid well, that's of- the thing is that the sister didn't die oh um, she's in a wheelchair so she's in a wheelchair and presumably incapable of speech mm-hmm. um so basically Lori is exiting the grocery store um and she's got a you know a little bounce in her step she just had a she got to see her dude that is not her dude but she's really happy to see him anyway and she's got this little smile on her face and then some lady just comes up behind her and calls her out um and then we discover it's the sister of the lady who was stabbed with the fluorescent tube in Halloween Kills, who is who is currently there, and uh, we see that she's alive and she's got some nasty scars on her throat and she's wheelchair bound, um, and and this this gal actually it might be the daughter of that of that woman, but she uh, chastises Lori for tempting Michael. It's like you tempt you tempted that man. You brought all of this awfulness on all of us because you tempted that man. It's like you provoked. Okay, him. did. You, prov- you, you provoked him it's like yeah. ex- excuse me like yeah. <laughs> like i know i saw the movie and you didn't like i saw those past two movies that is not what happened no like like one thing that i think is really funny about these movies kyle nobody talks about dr wiley nobody talks about dr wiley do you remember uh, halloween 2018 do you remember dr wiley in that movie see the one that's like He's like a, f- a fanboy of Michael Myers. Like he, I think he helped yes. kill. Yeah, yeah. He is the catalyst. But, <laughs> like he's the guy who made it all bad. But I, I so yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. She's like, I, I know the movies. That's not what happened. But think of it from a, the victim's perspective. It's like, no, you caused this. They just want somebody to blame for this. So it, it does make sense well, that she would make a bad a, a to D jump. Yeah, that's another really big theme of this movie. Um, that we'll get to in a second uh, in regards to Corey is the the, na- the, na- the notion of a, a scapegoat mm-hmm. of like needing someone to point a finger at um, do you want to get into that now or do you want to continue moving through the film um, I want to get to this Halloween party okay uh, let's it, keep going then because this is really where it started getting stupid for me uh, so they are going to go out for uh, they're going out to a Halloween party at a bar uh looks like a rocking good time they seem to be having a great time they uh cory and allison really let loose and it is awkward uh because they are doing some i think something something's wrong with them dancing uh on this dance floor cory is really weird like this is this is very uncomfortable he's for me. having a religious experience 
it, it's bad. It's I guess it's like the first time since the the murders or since that kid died that he's actually like letting loose and feeling okay because he's got somebody that's interested in him for no reason whatsoever. Uh, she's interested. God, this in him. reminded me of King of the Hill, where it, it, I know you don't really have as much familiarity with that show as I do. I love King of the Hill. Like I've learned so many life lessons from King of the Hill. <clears throat> I got to get the girlfriend to watch that. <laughs> but anyway, there's a there's an episode about hank hill and his son bobby Uh, they all are but anyway hank hill explains to bobby why you can't be overly happy about anything in your life because he had this incident where he just did something amazing on the football field in high school mind you Mm -hmm. and then in the very next play like his leg was obliterated (laughs) he's like you see bobby this is why you can't be happy I mean, it, this it, is why you can't be happy. <laughs> that's a good. I mean, that's good. That's good life lesson there. Yeah, don't don't enjoy something good well, for very long. <laughs> well, see, that that's what I'm talking about about this theme of everybody having their guard up, waiting for the the car crash to happen in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's just like everything's fine, but I can't celebrate anything too much because I know I'm inevitably going to get knocked on my ass sometime down the road. So this is like Corey throwing caution to the wind and just be like, yeah, I'm going to party it up and uh, writhe on the floor. (laughs) And like, I'm sure he was speaking in tongues, but you couldn't hear him over the the music and all the dancing and stuff. But yeah, they get rowdy. Yeah. Um, Nick Castle is here, by the way, uh, the original, the shape. Uh, He's here as like a flasher or something in the Uh the dance party. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, Corey goes to the bar to get another beer and the kid's mom is there drinking at the bar i'm like okay this isn't gonna go well uh and obviously it doesn't she starts screaming at him calling him a piece of shit uh and i think he ends up just leaving leaving the bar because it uh, was crazy it's that uh they're screaming and that like the the room dies down i'm like it's fucking loud there dude nobody's gonna notice that shit nobody's gonna notice that's happening but i mean it it's I think that that's just something implied by the film where it's yeah. just like the energy is, is like the interaction between them is pretty frenzied and vicious. And like Allison doesn't hear anything said, but she does see that some, some little lady is just verbally giving this guy a tongue lashing. Yeah. As I said, Kyle, this is why you can't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you and can't, you can't have be. a beer at a party and dance with a pretty gal because some lady whose son you killed a few years ago is going to inevitably be at that party and ruin it for you. Uh, yeah. And then Allison chases after him, and they have a talk in the middle of the road. Uh, she is attached really early. Like, it just does not make any sense to me. Uh, and I, I just wrote down, man, this is terrible. I didn't write down their dialogue. Cause he's just saying, like, I ain't no good. You do better than me. You don't want no part of this. You should go. Uh, pre- pre- I, ain't, I ain't no good for you. Uh, it, it's kind of Rocky three ish Because I'm afraid. <laughs> it's, it's the conversation between Rocky and Adrian on the beach after he uh, fails to outrun Carl Weathers, which, you know... A lot of us can't outrun Carl Weathers, Sylvester Stallone. It's actually not anything to be upset about. <laughs> yeah, most of us can't outlift Carl Weathers. Yeah, so. Yeah. Outhandsome Carl Weathers, outrun also, Carl Weathers. Isn't he like a foot taller than Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, it's probably like eight inches. Yeah. I'm like, I remember him like standing next to Arnold. I'm like, Arnold's like 6'2", and he's like, Carl Weathers is just eye to eye. And I'm like, Sylvester Stallone's like 5'8". <laughs> Yeah, so Sly is about 5'8 in shoes. (laughs) (laughs) On his mama's shoulders. (laughs) 
burn. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, they try to relate to each other. We this is rom com talk, honestly. And it's- this was deliberate. This was deliberate on the part of David Gordon Green. He has gone on record saying Kills is meant to be a more action oriented film, and he did deliver on that. Like regardless of the quality of that film, the sheer People volume die, yeah. of kills is it, it is more of an action film, and we do have like choreographed action beats, something we don't often see with Michael Myers. This one's meant to be more of a, quote, romance, and for two-thirds of it, it does deliver that for the most part. Uh, whether or not it's effective, that's up to you, but that is the majority of the content of the film. But this is like something out of a rom-com where they're both walking on the, the side of a highway and, and they're yelling at each other, you know, like hashing things out. And uh, he... I think he refers to himself as like a monster and yeah reference to the idea of their their shared trauma well not shared but their their personal traumas she's viewed by the the townies uh the people in Haddonfield as a survivor whereas he's regarded as a monster even though from his perspective he's also a victim in the same way that she is um but those are two completely different different things like somebody as a survivor and somebody who's a freak for killing a kid those are two different energies that people are throwing their way so i that's why it's i don't get that it would be, make more sense if like they thought she was responsible but her grandmother Lori is the one that they think like she's had an interaction with someone's like it's your fault daughter the granddaughter's fine like they, they just feel bad for her so it, it just doesn't line up for me i, I don't get that well, anyway, he leaves and she is not okay with it. Like, she is crestfallen. Like, she looks horribly upset. Um, anyway, uh, he walks off and uh, our, uh, our band kids, uh, they find him on the side of a bridge. Um, and they confront him and uh, they confront him because they put two and two together. And yeah. as dumb as they look, they are able to suss out that he was probably the one that put a knife uh, in their tire. Um, and they they really get aggro with him yeah. and uh these these kids kyle uh, if some if some guy who's a little older than you who looks like this pulls a knife on you how would you react i'm curious I'd run uh, you, first of all yes. you shouldn't get into confrontations with people who want to fight you because you don't know what they're going to do if somebody pulls exactly. out a knife i'm running i'm just going to take off running i'm not going to do anything yeah. yes that that was my thought is like these kids have no reaction to this knife in fact they they immediately knock it out of his hand i was well, like okay <laughs> but but trevor um at this i mean i have a i have a jack-o'-lantern tattooed on the back of my arm that i got when i was like 18 so i wasn't making the best decisions as a teenager so i might have been like he's not gonna do anything at this age like because you're not thinking things through so yeah you and i as adults in our 30s are like let's not get into a confrontation at all (laughs) whereas kids are just like fuck it dude Ah, i'm angry i don't know why yeah it, it makes more sense here well the the key lesson to anybody out there who might need to hear this is you never know how much it means to the other person yeah. because sometimes sometimes you get into to somebody where it is truly life and death with them and for you it's just like i was just upset that you got my order wrong <laughs> 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 i was just upset that he oh. charged me for an extra sprite <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, and you don't eat fast food, so I know that that order was very. That was that was you going out for some really. Uh, I really wanted that specific thing. Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, Corey talks some shit about Michael Imperioli Jr.'s dad, um, and that that is enough to set him off. And they do some some Stephen King shit, where they toss him off this bridge. Attempted murder. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you could get an attempted murder on this. Um, All of you are accessories, even you, husky gal with the bad hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, you need to just chop somebody in the throat real quick. That that'll get them. To, that'll stop them. That that'll fuck you up. It doesn't matter how big you are. A good throat chop will fuck you up. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the movie, but that th- that joke in Joe Somebody with Tim Allen, where he, ke- <laughs> he gets kicked in the throat. I do. I actually do have a soft spot for that movie, Kyle. Okay. I have seen it in a weird number of times, and I actually have floated it as as an episode for catching up on cinema. <laughs> maybe i have seen it many times i don't know why uh, maybe i just like putty the no i like i like the on paper the idea of the battle of the buzzes because the story goes tim allen was the original buzz lightyear while patrick warburton would go on to be the television version oh. of buzz lightyear yeah it would have added a different energy if it was patrick warburton but i better voice i think he's got a better voice for it though yeah, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> we can't do it. High, high five! I mean, asking asking Woody the cowboy. High five! High five. <laughs> I have met one person that can, who can do a pretty good Patrick Warburton impression, but uh, it's 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 a difficult one to pull off. Uh, yeah, yeah so Corey they... is tossed off this bridge, and he is dragged into a storm pipe. Very yeah. Stephen King esque. Very it like. Honestly. I, I... I was getting frustrated with the scene. I'm like, they're high schools. Kick high schoolers. Kick their fucking teeth in. <laughs> you can. You got Honestly, this. Beat their asses. <laughs> <laughs> or just and, open hand slap. Honestly. And, and it's not even jocks. Like I'm like these these kids. Do you even lift, bro? These kids don't even lift. Like, <laughs> um, well, I don't know, man. Some of that jujitsu stuff is sneaky. You never know who. You never know who's been to a jujitsu school. Kyle. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, those so wiry y- kids, man. You got to watch out for those kids with those octopus limbs. Yeah, just don't let him take you down. It's 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 real simple. <laughs> uh, don't let him get you on the ground. Uh, that's, <laughs> ask a man. I mean, that was that was the first lesson my dad taught me. It was like if you if you fall down, get up <laughs> because like, it doesn't stop when you go down. <laughs> like, there's a reason why Ronda Rousey had a lot of trouble with Amanda Nunez. It's because she didn't get her on the ground. She didn't have time. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So this is where I'm like. So it's. I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like. I swear to God, Michael Myers is supposed to be in this movie. Like he's got to show up sometime. <laughs> I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like. So Corey gets. He gets flipped over the side, and then he's dragged into the sewer. I think. Uh, I'm guessing that's yes. what happened. And yeah. is he walk around for a little bit down in the sewer? Yeah. And then Michael Myers just starts choking him. Yeah, this was a terrible introduction to Michael Myers. Where it's like, folks at home, I'm a lifelong fan of the Godzilla movies, um, and one of one of the more important things you can do in a Godzilla movie is strategically place and choreograph the introduction of the title character, because they're they're usually some of the most awesome and triumphant moments in those movies. In fact, a lot of times you can like kind of suss out the overall quality of a Godzilla movie just based on the quality of his initial appearance in that film. And here he's just there. Yeah. 
Like, like we are we are what forty something minutes deep. We're substantially into the film. Yes, we're we're like a 50, 40, 40 to fifty minutes deep into this thing, and the the way we're we're introduced not only to Michael Myers still being alive, but just being an active presence in the film is there's a little slit in a wall that he can't even get through. It's just we can see half of his masked face, and he can stick his arm through a hole in the wall, and he grabs Corey. And that is Michael Myers' introduction to this story. It's like, okay, that, that was lame as all get out, but yeah. sure, that's a way to that's a way to put him in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and he just chokes him for a little bit and then just lets him go. So this was really important. We, we need to focus on this for a second because this is one of those open to interpretation moments in the film. Uh, so he grabs, he one hand chokes Corey um, and they make eye contact. Like they look at each other in the eyes, and we actually get a, a flash, like like a, a, a montage of all the bad shit that we know has happened to Corey, like in like in the course of the forty minutes we've gotten to know Corey, mm-hmm. um, and then it's hard to tell exactly what happens here, because it seems like Michael lets him go. Um, I've I I understand this to be one of two things, either. Michael transferred some of his e- like super devil juice into <laughs> Corey here, or he or <laughs> I'm sorry, God. or he sensed that Corey has super devil juice oh. brewing in him already, and I, he was like, e- like, oh. like the line in a it, from Gary Oldman in the Lost Lost in Space movie, "Evil knows evil." So he senses the super. He he smells the super devil juice brewing in Corey, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna let that fester for a little bit. I'm gonna let that percolate." Or he transferred it to him. It, it's one of the two, as far as I understand. I'm gonna quote Doctor Evil here. Either way, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> it's really, this is well, go, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, not not to not to completely halt things, but. I will say, like, regardless of which it's intended to be, this sort of voodoo fucking magic man <laughs> uh, has been present in the Halloween series prior to this. Like, we we have had shenanigans like this, like metaphysical supernatural shenanigans have have occurred in the series prior to this. So, if this is like a, a make or break kind of thing for anybody out there who this this would ruin their experience of this film, I'm sorry. Maybe you pick the wrong franchise to be a fan of because this sort of bullshit is commonplace in these films. I mean, fucking Halloween 4 ends with a little girl taking on the evil spirit of Michael Myers. The whole Cult of Thorn trilogy is nothing but bullshit. <laughs> like, there, there's been stuff like this present in the Halloween movies. For fuck's sake, we just talked about Halloween 2 and the white fucking horse motif. <laughs> like, this sort of bullshit is all over the Halloween series. Yes, but those are bad. <laughs> well, I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying, like, if that is a make or break element for somebody, like, if if this is the thing that causes you to roll your eyes so hard that you inevitably classify this as a waste of time, you need to re reevaluate. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, don't watch this movie if you want to like it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> if he. <laughs> That's, that's, the, that's the advice I just got from you. It's like, you want to like this movie? Don't watch it. That's the best way to love it. Um, well, if you want to... What I'm saying is if you want if you want to like the, this movie, 
cur- like curb your expectations <laughs> of it, I guess. <laughs> Leave them at the door because it's going to not go the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so he gets jizzed on by Michael's uh, devil juice and he gets kicked out. He gets boom. He gets shot out of this fucking. Uh, he doesn't get shot out. I'm joking. He, he leaves this, uh, this tunnel and this. Um, man experiencing homelessness accosts him and he's like why did he let you live and he's just like shaking him by the shirt he's like he he drags people in there all the time why why did he let you go i'm like okay now hang on we've talked about michael eating dogs it might have been a joke or like some kind of truth to it in the first the original halloween where he's like he must have been hungry and then straight up in halloween 2 he's eating a dog we see it so is is he eating people now? Is that what we're led to believe? I mean, it's never explicitly stated, but he has to be subsisting on something. I mean, well, then again, he does seem to be borderline supernatural. I Correct. don't I don't know. But the point is he has been occasionally killing people, like dragging them into the sewers and killing them. And apparently this old man has bore witness to it, but is otherwise devoid of harm. I did think it would have been an interesting swerve because he does actually say I'm Michael Myers at some point. I do think it would have been an interesting swerve if the person in the in the sewers actually was not Michael Myers. Uh, that would have been better if it was just a guy who had his mask. It was just down there. See, th- that's what I'm saying. Is I, I think it like you would have to restructure everything you'd have to rewrite everything and i'm i'm not prepared to float a theory as to how exactly to do that but i do think it would have been really interesting if that was just some guy who had the mask and then Corey takes this to be truth that like i just fucking met michael myers and and you know we go from there and More then maybe towards the towards the end of the film or maybe like a teaser into a next film we discover oh shit that that person experiencing homelessness in the background actually is michael myers he's just been like biding his time or recovering or something and just been hiding in the periphery or something i mean honestly i i may be wrong but do you think do you think it would have been more interesting if this was like jason goes to hell where his the the michael myers spirit just trans like just goes from transfers from one body to the next i think i think that story either needed to be at least one full movie or yeah it needed to be handled differently because the way we handled it in the the finished version of this film the way this movie ends in particular like its last act is very sloppy like it it feels like studio mandate where it's like we need we need to have the big dude do some shit even though the story we've been telling up till now really doesn't warrant it Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe that would have been a better idea. In fact, I've heard this idea floated around the internet of this movie feels like it maybe should have been a middle chapter rather than a concluding chapter. It does feel much more like a middle chapter, for sure. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, so this 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 old man's shaking him, and uh, Corey's got a knife. Okay, kill him! And he gets his taste. He ends up just stabbing this guy in the stomach, uh, supposedly, or like presumably killing him. Uh, yeah, and then he just throws the knife, fingerprints and all, DNA, just over, just like chucks it. I'm like, oh, unfortunately, what this is sad to say. It's like, yes, 
uh, murders like this happen in camps, like in you know people who are experiencing homelessness. Murders like this happen, and they're not investigated very. They're not yeah. investigated very far because it's kind of hard to find find folks. But still, you just committed a murder and you threw the knife. It's like, come on, man, you gotta you gotta be smarter than that. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go toss that someplace else. <laughs> Yeah. Now tell me, Kyle, if you were a policeman or an investigator and you, you were the one to find the knife, would you not pick it up with a rubber gloved hand and say, Bingo, Dino DNA <laughs> I mean, yes, if I if I was a detective, I would probably do movie movie quotes. I would be that guy that's like uh he's uncomfortable. Like like it's like the guy who's too comfortable with crime scenes where he's just like like I'm just eating Chinese food and it's like a triple homicide. It's like, what we got tonight? <laughs> I'm just like walking yeah, through the there, crime scene. Yeah, there's intestines spilled out on the sidewalk <laughs> and Kyle's slurping noodles, going. <laughs> yep. Hey, give me an egg roll. That was gonna be a long night. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. Bagel with my coffee. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, of uh, Willem Dafoe when he's like he's got the bloody gloves on and he's like he's frustrated with them and he puts them in his hair and the guy's just like. Oy, 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 oy. There was a fire. Um, okay, so the movie's going to get even stupider, but before we do that, I need to run to the restroom. <laughs> and, yes, yeah, so, as I said, this is where the movie starts getting really stupid. Uh, for me, at least. I don't know how you feel. You might have liked this, uh, considering how we... Uh, it doesn't... I don't think this movie ever gets full stupid for me. Like, Oof. see, w- full stupid for me <laughs> was Dr. Wiley in, in Halloween 2018. That and I do like that movie. That was silly, but... I like that I get not necessarily it's not a trope really but I like that idea better where it's like we kind of turn it's like oh the doctor like Loomis is supposed to be trying to stop him like no 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 this doctor's a fanboy and he's just crazy and he helps kill I'm like that's a cooler idea but this weird triangle that we have with Allison Corey and um, Jamie Lee Curtis it's just it just doesn't make any sense to me I like if it wasn't a triangle I would have preferred if Lori didn't know mm-hmm. if she was kept in the dark for a lot longer because she's a little bit psychic in this movie and that's what's frustrating oh, to me. Immediately. Like so yeah, so this starts off Corey goes to see Allison and he's just standing kind of where Lori would see Michael My- Michael Myers standing. He's just kind of like standing by a fence just not moving and just kind of staring off and she's just like, "Oh no, that kid's haunted. Uh, this is bad." Um, but yeah, I do think it it would have been. I thought this movie was gonna go with like a natural born killers element, where it's like, yes, yeah, yes. I'm like, that's an interesting idea, and it never gets there. It kind See, that, it, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like the lack of follow through, It's like I really actually would have liked to have seen Allison and Corey go full dark, yeah, and Corey maybe just being like left left being like, I don't know what to do with that, <laughs> like. Like I, that would be really high stakes, really tragic drama. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think the studio was prepared to do that. Yeah, because that that just makes the the breadcrumbs are there. Like the story does seem like it's going there, it, and then they they just pull away from it. They pivot away from it so hard. Fucking cock tease. Yeah. Uh, so he scares cowards. Lord. <laughs> cowards. <laughs> um, take. <laughs> He just goes up and he's just like, uh, I'm here to see, uh, here to see Allison. He's just like, take a walk with me. And they start walking and he's just like disheveled. She can tell something's wrong with him. He's just like, I killed someone. I'm like, okay, whoa, all right. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> but does he say, 
is he implying that he's he feels responsible for killing the kid or that he killed uh the the person experiencing homelessness the peh i think i think it's kept vague and i think she interprets it as he's okay. referencing the kid okay which is actually kind of clever yeah because it's it's something she as a resident of haddonfield already knew but this is him you know putting it out there and being like this this is my trauma show me yours i'll show you mine kind of dude if my wife was to say i killed someone i wouldn't i'm like oh god uh you did <laughs> why would you tell me that you should have kept that secret i'm picturing I kyle picking up one of the dogs and like <laughs> like moving them away from the wife <laughs> i'm just saying like i've known i've known my wife for almost nine years now and they've known each other for an accumulated, I'd say, seven hours that they've known each other that actually interacted with one another. And he's dropping this on her. Like, come on, man. There are times when I can turn this off in movies where it does feel like, like even in the movie, it hasn't been that long. And people kind of hit it off early. And you can kind of like let that go. But those are usually like rom-coms. You kind of have to just, just, just go with this. This is just going to be fun. This it really it really brought me down the whole time because I'm like it just doesn't make any sense that this is how this relationship would play out and I think I got hung up on this too much. <laughs> I didn't get hung up on it. I I found the relationship to be accelerated for sure, like unrealistically fast. But I was I was compelled for as long as the movie went because I was really hope I I fall victim to this so often, Kyle. And this is something I need to get over is. Too often, I f- I find I'm I'm watching the movie I want it to be rather than what it actually is, um, and it gets in the way of my ability to legitimately evaluate things because I'm I'm always analyzing, I'm always guessing at what things could be, rather than just like taking in like objectively what it is. Um, in this case, I was really fascinated with how far they were going to take things. Unfortunately, it does not live up to it, but it, it didn't bother me as much as it did you, I guess. But the the Lori stuff did bother me, though. I was like, this lady is jumping to... She got to jump to conclusions board in that garage. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is I've known people, uh, a, a few couples that had a t- like really turbulent world. It just picked up quick. Like, they hooked up one night, and like a week later, she's like staying there like all the time. Like, it, I've seen yeah. relationships. And this is the age where it happens, too, early 20s. But they didn't. One didn't accidentally kill a kid, and the other one wasn't chased by a serial killer. So it just—it's just very strange to me. Um, well, I think they're—they're they're supposed to be kind of commiserating. Like yeah. they're both utterly miserable. They both hate this town, and they have every right to. Like this movie seems to basically like the core theme of this movie is little towns are bad yes i was gonna say this <laughs> like, is move no more little towns <laughs> move out of your shitty little town yes that is that that is what you're supposed to do small towns are the debo dude i've i've grew up in a couple of shitty little small towns and i'll go back and like i never bump into people i know anymore because we all we like we left we got the fuck out of there uh, there's just more kids that are there that are gonna just poof leave after graduation because those small towns suck there's a subway and that's it um yeah but she's not turned off by this she's just like she's like oh okay we're we're gonna go with this uh they go to the dead kid's house and i guess he kind of just shows her like, yes where he died uh shows her the spot um and then she goes to court uh, Lori goes to Corey's house and has a an interaction yeah. with her mom 
with his mom. So we've 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 seen the mom a couple of times, and she's a uh, she's a little overbearing, uh, mm-hmm. and she's a little nasty. Um, but her character math does add up some. Like she's overprotective of her son, but she's also critical of her son at the same time. So it's this, <laughs> it's this really awful kind of abusive relationship. Um, but you can tell that behind all of that viciousness, she does care. It just it comes out horribly <laughs> like yeah. she's not good at expressing it no. um but yeah that dinner scene uh when we discover that her his boss is also his stepdad or his dad or whatever i'm guessing his stepdad um, no that's where we first meet her and she's nasty to him and mm-hmm. horrible spaghetti by the way that is some sketty okay it uh, just it just <laughs> dawned on me i'm like this is always the this is generally the meals when the meal is not supposed to matter it's salad and spaghetti it's because it's the cheapest it's the cheapest thing just go to the store pick the two cheap like it's the three cheapest things you can get at the grocery store and yeah um but it can yeah, also and it doesn't have to be warm or taken care of in order to present on no. film as it as you would expect it to look Man, I'm actually craving spaghetti and meatballs now. That sounds really good. Uh, I'm really hungry. <laughs> I yeah, haven't eaten Lori yet. goes to she, she goes to meet Corey's mom. She just invites herself in, apparently. And uh, mom, Mama Corey, feels that her son was completely shat on by the town. Uh, the town pissed on him. Ah, oh, damn it! Uh, because <laughs> because Michael wasn't around to take the blame anymore. Now, Kyle, I need to halt everything for one more second because uh-huh. I have a wild theory for you. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, it's not that wild. but So I'm not a political person. Like, mm-hmm. I, It's not something I talk about very much, mostly because I'm, I'm not especially well-informed. I was going to say, you're doing people other people things? Yell- <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like people shouldn't yell too loudly about things that they don't know a whole lot about. But dude, that's the American way. That's the American way. We have to have strong <laughs> opinions on things that we don't know anything about. <laughs> that's just that's just my feeling on things. Yeah, so I, I generally keep you. quiet. When politics come up, I do yeah. have opinions, but none of them are strong enough that I would yell at people about them. Correct, but anyway, yeah. you know, me, art and media ex- inevitably come into existence in the time, you know, that they they come about. Like they're they're a products of their time is what I'm saying. Now, in Halloween Kills, we had Evil Dies Tonight. Did we? Um, which I don't remember that. It, uh, I, I don't remember that. I think they said it once or twice. Like, it could have been that much. Evil Dies Tonight! Yeah. 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 But but in that movie, like I think it because that movie came out, you know, what, 2019, 2020, something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's basically impossible, especially as an American, to not think of you know the MAGA and the QAnon shit. Like, it, it, you can't you can't not put two and two together. It's like uh, I don't know if that was the express intent of the filmmakers, but I you know it was contemporary to that. It it felt like a an allusion to that. Now with this film, Halloween ends. And this is all me just talking directly out of my ass. I don't know. I don't have any research to back this. But it's like, a podcast. Yeah, it, yeah. This is where this this is where these sort of thoughts are posted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got some like post Trump era vibes, where you know, orange man bad, but now he's gone. But now we still need someone to point the finger at and be upset about. Mm-hmm. So Michael Myers disappears. And 
you know, four years, which just happens to be the length of a presidential term later, well, we're looking for a scapegoat or someone else to blame. What you're saying is Democrats and left-leaning folks need a finger to point at because the other side has got their fingers pointed at people plenty. Don't worry about that. Uh, well, I mean, this, this is a product of Hollywood. So yeah. Yes, it, this is this well, isn't a, a Ben Shapiro produced Halloween film. <laughs> <laughs> anytime we can shit on that guy, anytime, please. I yeah. mean, Gina Carano isn't in Halloween Ends. In case you care, <laughs> somebody pointed out. Somebody brought up a good point about Ben Shapiro. It's like he's a grown man who goes to colleges and he ends up arguing with kids that are in undergrad, basically with kids. Yeah, he's kids. like, oh, I'm very smart and intellectual. I'm like, you're arguing people that don't know what they're talking about. Of course you're gonna. <laughs> it's like yeah, play- of course you're gonna sound like the smart dude in the room. It's like playing basketball with a group of middle schoolers. You're gonna dominate them, dude. You're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. God. No, it's like uh, it's like Kramer uh, in his karate class in Seinfeld. <laughs> Did you have a question? Uh, no, I didn't okay. have a question. I, I didn't know if there's a question at the end of that thought. Sorry. I, 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 did, I thought I cut you off there. I thought you were going to ask something. You sound like my dad. <laughs> is there a question? <laughs> Everything you <laughs> Everyone in the room is now dumber. You you talked like there was going to be a question at the end, but okay. Uh, no, but I'm just curious if you could if you see where I'm coming from. I can see where you're coming from, yes, but you might be projecting more than what they were intending. Like... That's, I mean, it's not a leap, but I mean, it's really, I think it's kind of, uh, that's a, that's a deep one to pull. Um, and if that's kind of what they were getting at, or maybe subconsciously they were getting at that, they didn't realize they were kind of doing that. Um, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah. But I mean, last little detail I'll throw in there is just the, the self-destruction of the community is, you know, the, the more liberal side of our political spectrum has turned to infighting and whatnot. Yeah. I, I guess, I, yeah, I guess if you think about it from the second movie to the third movie, yeah, you do see civil unrest in that second one, people getting all up in arms. And then, yeah, we kind of start with the aftermath at the beginning of this movie. So I see that thread. It's like, now we have to pick up the pieces and keep moving. But as we are trying to keep moving, it keeps being brought down. So, yeah, yeah I guess I do. stumbling. Yeah, I do see that. And that's kind of what we're dealing with now <laughs> still trying to pick up well, the pieces uh, yeah. again this is coming from somebody who is not political by nature so I, I i just thought that that was something i could not see when i was watching this movie. we watched americans storm the capitol <laughs> which is insane to say and people are still like yeah we should have done that people are still on that I'm like yeah we are still picking up the pieces because we still have people that are still okay with that um but yeah yeah fucking um you want to talk about the weird ass moment at the pizza place the only restaurant in town oh most certainly the only <laughs> restaurant <in town. laughs> they're having i just have they're having a weird ass moment at this place like I, I, what 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 became of this what what was this conversation about um this is just teenage angst but um, but among 20 somethings um, gotcha. so th- this is just two miserable people finding finding that their particular brands of misery have good chemistry so they're just being miserable and emo in this in this pizza place <laughs> with you know fancy neon lighting because horror film in the 2020s um and the phrase burn it down is mentioned burn it out oh yeah I started. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> just burn it all- the town it says just burn it all to the ground yeah 
Yeah, Bert, uh, Bernanate Haddonfield. <laughs> yeah, the cop, that cop dude comes up, which is, this is not okay. Like, he just comes up with his beeries with his buddies. He's like, hey, I can see you're on a date with this other guy. If you want to come over and have a drink. I think he invites both of them both of them over, but still. He does. You can tell that they don't want you there. Uh, I, it, I've received this particular invitation before. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> come over, yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets heated, and I think he just storms out. And yeah, this we get the line. Uh, uh, Corey, Corey, uh, he starts taunting Corey, mm-hmm. like like he's standing over Corey, and then Corey steps steps to him, gets yeah. up in his face, and uh, Deputy Doug uh, decides uh, it ain't worth it. Um, and so he goes back to have some drinks with his buddies, and this is where the phrase "just burn it all to oh. the ground" comes out of Allison's mouth, and Corey whispers in her ear, "I'll light the match." And this was where Kyle was absolutely right. We do get some natural born killers vibes. Yeah. And this is where I was like, please, please keep this going. Because this is this is wild. This is out of left field. But if this is the story that we're telling with these go two Go with this, yeah. Just go with it. Yeah. Like, because I find that I would find this very interesting where it's like, oh shit. Lori Strode's got some serious shit going on in her backyard now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the problem is, is that we just see her kind of have uncomfortable encounters with like Doctor Dick, and she doesn't like she gets talked to a lot by the other. Uh, I don't know if she's a physician's assistant or a nurse, uh, but she talks to her a lot, and she you can tell she's not really crazy about her. Um, so it doesn't make sense that Lori would. She gets passed up for promotion, also. Yeah, like, like at work. Those are things that are frustrating for sure, but she wasn't thrown off a bridge, and I feel like it doesn't make sense for her character to go, well, let's do some murder. Like, you could do a little bit more to develop that, uh, but then they don't They don't end up going with the natural born killers thing. They have, like, a, a clunky line of dialogue from Allison. I forget exactly where it is, but basically she she doesn't have a a specific incident or anything like Corey does unfortunately like the way the way she rationalizes it like her her feelings of unease and like depression in the town come from feeling that everybody views her as a victim like she can never get past that that label as a survivor of a horrible event and it, it it pushes her down basically it keeps her down um, it's not as it doesn't carry as much weight when it's only floated to you, the audience, as as a line of dialogue rather than Corey's case. We actually get to see a bunch of horrible shit happen to him, but that that's the reason, I guess. But we we go on a a, a synthwave bike ride. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this song was banging. Diegetic synth fuck music is what my note says. <laughs> I I found this band and downloaded their their. Uh, basically best of on spotify i was i was very it much slaps. into it yeah it's good <laughs> um so yeah so he drops off allison and then Corey is followed by a car and Corey goes to the bridge and we can assume that it's the cop because it is and i have in my notes teach me how to dougie that was a sound clip that, that was a sound bite that i was gonna get and i'm trying to remember why but i'm guessing does the cop get knocked down and like like do like a weird like leg thing <laughs> because it's a very specific dance <laughs> okay let me let me see if i can help you f- find this reference so uh cory 
rides off on his bike alone. Deputy Doug uh, has a few too many drinks at the bar and decides to pursue him uh, and follows him to the bridge and the sewer pipe where Michael Myers is. Um, and Corey assaults Deputy Doug. Like, he, he <laughs> tackles him from behind. I'm like, are you fucking nuts? What are you doing? Yeah. And then he runs off laughing. Like, he laughs at the uh-huh. man. He laughs at Deputy Doug. Yeah. Um, and uh, I do love this line from Deputy Doug. He says, you don't fuck with Doug Mullaney. <laughs> uh, again, small town logic where it's like, of course you know who Doug Mullaney is. I'm insane with anger. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but they go into the sewers. And there's this weird image where the uh, the the shape, like literally the shape mask, the the shape of it is embedded in the wall. I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, dude, I don't know. And uh, Corey is happened upon by Deputy Doug, and then Michael Myers. <laughs> you thinking you're gonna himself. say Deputy Dog? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm doing it, Kyle, <laughs> because it's uh, fun to say. Yes, please go. Um, go. Michael Myers himself appears. And attacks Deputy Doug, um, and Deputy uh, Corey grabs Deputy Doug from behind. He, like he puts him in a full Nelson, mm-hmm. and Deputy Doug push kicks Michael Myers square in the chest and knocks him down. Nice. Well, he's like Michael 70. Myers goes down like a <laughs> he he goes down ass over tea kettle. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, he's 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 old. <laughs> he's pretty old. Well, and and I mean, if you remember the end of Halloween Kills, he should be human hamburger. Like, yes. Like, he should just be hamburger packed into a boiler suit. That sounds good, um, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a very popular dish in the South. But, um, yeah, Michael gets to his feet as Corey is restraining Deputy Doug, and he starts stabbing Deputy Doug. And we have this, again, like, supernatural or, or metaphysical moment where as Michael is walking up with the knife, he's like haggard, like he, he's like hobbled, like like his shoulders are hunched forward and he's like shuffling with his steps and his his movements are lethargic. Mm-hmm. But then when he kills Deputy Doug, he's like reinvigorated, like we see him stand up straight and there's like a music cue that seems to imply that what Laurie was saying in her closing narration of Halloween Kills, like he gets stronger when he kills. I was going to say, there's a, there's a quote from the Bible... Uh, that I think sums this up. It's like, man cannot subsist on dead hobos alone. You have to murder people to also have energy. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but this is 57 minutes in, by the way, Yeah, um, that Michael Myers stab, stabinates someone. Yeah, it's quite a ways in. Uh, he tell, he, and, uh, He's just like, show me how to do it. And Mike's just yeah, like... Yeah, that's where show me how to Dougie comes from. Is he, He's commanding Michael, like, yeah. show me how to to murder show me how to stabinate people teach me how to dug it yeah (laughs) (laughs) by murdering deputy doug that's why it's in (laughs) there deputy dougie uh yeah so we get a throat slit multiple stab wounds um and then we're getting back it's like twin peaks man it's like now we're going Corey with allison it's just like we're just going back to jaw at each other again well, now that you mention it, the more boring parts of that second season of Twin Peaks are that fucking kid with that motorcycle. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, he's just like, I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, and then we have a conversation. It's like, I met Michael Myers, and she's like, okay, cool. And then there's the question, did Michael Myers let you live, or did you escape? I don't know. I wrote down that quote as being significant. Uh, she... She, Allison follows this up by saying, my mom, my mother saved me. 
Like, like it was neither. Like my mother interceded and that's why I'm still here. And now her mother's dead, which is important to remember. Um, and we see that outside the house, both Lori and Michael are watching <laughs> from outside. It's kind of hilarious. Freaks. Like Michael's behind a tree and Lori's like leaning against a car with her arms folded. Um, and then uh, our kids fuck. Uh, yeah. They get to fucking. Yeah. Uh, Feel my dick. I am rock hard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they bone. Corey, post-coital, uh, takes a scarecrow mask. Uh, and then we have shut up Debs. Does, is Debs talking and she tells her to shut up? Uh, yeah, it's Allison's co-worker uh, who recently was promoted because it's implied she's, well, we, it's later confirmed she is fucking the, the doctor. Who's uh, messing with his, he's messing with his fantasy football lineup, by the way. I love that. Or he's he's just like without acknowledging any other presence in the room, he's just like yelling into his phone about fantasy football drafts. It's Dude, great. I I'm in two different leagues. One's my family and friends league and then another one is a buddy of mine. It's a dynasty league. Uh and it's a lot of fun. But with the dynasty league, what you do is instead of drafting new players each season, you keep your same team. So it's like having an actual team. Like if you pick Aaron Rodgers, you just have Aaron Rodgers each year until you trade or get rid of him. Um and I, I've done fantasy football for years. It's a lot of fun. You throw in money. But the Dynasty League this season, we've got quite a pot. Like, it's a pretty decent amount of money. And for us, it's like, yeah, that's nice. That's about half a rent. Maybe a little bit more than half a rent if you go first place. Uh, so I used to think that these guys were losers, <laughs> like, doing this. I'm like, no, nah, you kind of have to think about trades and shit because you do want to win that money. So there's usually a pot at the end of this. Especially if you're a doctor in a small town. You're probably yeah. bored out of your mind. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know who Lori talks to about this, but she says she sees Michael Myers in Corey's eyes. Uh, this is the real housewife, uh, who's okay. now the bartender. Uh, oh, and yeah, yeah, she mentioned she she saw, she identified Michael. The, the super devil juice is in that boy, too. Uh, he got the same crazy eyes. And then, uh, I guess this is the the one bar in town we yep. have one restaurant we have one bar uh this is the one bar because the dad the, of the kid who Corey killed the dad crazy. who's answering questions as a law and order uh like a law and order episode he's not looking at these people he's cracking pool balls while they're he's talking they're talking yeah oh yeah, he's taking this material for a walk <laughs> like like this actor was brought in and they told him just just riff just yeah. go just, I don't know, just man. Make a scene. I think Corey's all changed and shit. <laughs> He's just like, I saw him. I didn't feel. I felt bad for him because I just feel like, you know, he didn't mean to do it. My wife definitely blames him. I don't. Uh, but I saw him walking. I'm like, I think that kid might be a killer or something. It's really stupid. Um, it's it's a little dumb. Yeah. Uh, but I did like the one line that has nothing to do with any of that, where he refers to what it's like to be the father of a child who was accidentally killed that way and he says like the the media and the the people of the town they took my pain my despair and they made it about them yeah it's an interesting which me, you know in the it, that's an interesting that was interesting idea. to me yeah yeah For sure uh, it has nothing to do with the story we're telling right now. <laughs> no, and let's get to some let's get to some killing for crying out loud. Uh, let's get to uh, Deb, Debs and Doctor Dick, and this house is spectacular. <laughs> this is quite in a quite a house that he has here. Uh, but yeah, so they're obviously boning Debs and Doctor Dick. Congratulations on their promotion. I think he got her like a teddy or some lingerie. He's got the 
He's got a, a a really cool. This is something I really want in my house. Where he's got like the uh, he's got like the Siri set up and through the whole house. You got speakers through the whole house, which is really cool. But he's got some music going. That way, we she doesn't hear him being murdered a little bit in a little bit. You know, that's what this yeah. is for. Um, what's it makes? Mathis makes quite a noise. What is that? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Doctor Mathis, when he gets killed, he makes like a he makes like a really funny noise. I can't remember what it was though. I I had to like draw a doodle in here because I was laughing so hard because I was just like, man, that was a pretty. Oh. I might have to go back and figure out I'll what. I have that to noise. go back and rewatch that. Yeah, because um, yes, he does scream off screen, and then we see what became <laughs> of him. But by the way, this uh. This little relationship, while, while I remember I know what it's, it was, it's it, not okay. Oh, it was ahead. the it was the scream off off screen because it reminded me of the Egyptologist screaming in the mummy. Remember when they're like talking here? Ah! <laughs> it's really a high pitched scream. <laughs> oh man, that's what was making me laugh because it reminded me of that. I think. Huh, now you got me wanting to rewatch the mummy. Shit, it's been yeah. a really long time. It's a good day for it. Uh. But yeah, it, say what you will, this relationship is not okay. But these people seem like they're having a great time. Yeah. Like, like, they seem like they're having a really fun night. Like, they're about to have a really great it's night. It's about to go bad. But um, <laughs> when when we do see what became of the Doctor, it's a, it's pretty cool. Because this, this is like a like a, a raw, untalented mur- murder, basically. Because mm-hmm. what we see is, like, Corey... Uh, wearing the scarecrow mask that he wore out to the bar with Allison, like uh, cradling the doctor from behind, like they're laying on the ground next to the pool together, and he is just like rapid fire jamming what appears to be like a corkscrew mm-hmm. into the side of this dude's head, yeah. and he has like a, a a bag over his head while he's doing it, and it's just like, yeah. I'm creative, yeah, dude. It's a, it's pretty brutal. Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, and then I think Michael comes up with the assist. He's gonna help yeah. out. Uh, does he get the uh, knife in the wall stab on Debs there? He, yeah, he replicates the knife in the wall, the impalement uh, killing from the first Halloween. You can't not. You just gotta, you gotta do it each time. You can't not touch. Can't, can't not, not touch. Uh yeah, so then we get Corey and like he gets all done with that murder and Corey and Allison on the bike and this was the band that I downloaded. It's a uh, Boy Harsher and this song that plays is Burn It Down. This was the banger. Uh, the other one was Come to Me by Johnny Goth, which I didn't download his stuff. I just downloaded that one song because it was pretty cool. But check out Boy Harsher. They've got some. They got some cool tracks. You might you might like them. They're like uh, if Tangerine Dream were now and they were bisexual and uh, taking uh, MDMA. That's the best way to describe them. Yeah, it's that contemporary synthwave stuff that all the kids are all about. If it ain't if it ain't thrumming, if it ain't pulsing, the kids don't care. It's great. <laughs> it's it's great stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so again, like, the middle of this movie is just Corey and Allison hanging out, and now they're hanging on, hanging out on top of the radio station roof, for some fucking yeah. reason. Um, yeah, he tells her that he would look to the tower for inspiration to find happiness again, when, when, when the kid died and stuff, and, uh, she looks at his hand, which, by the way, is, like, his wounds from, like, the, the beating that the kids gave him when they threw him off the bridge, and the hand wound are healing, so it's implied that that super devil juice stuff is doing its stuff when he's killing people. Um, and she looks to his hand and she just says the word infected. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, reinforcing the idea that whatever super devil juice Michael has is also in him. Uh, and he wants to leave Haddonfield. Yeah. And he wants to bring her with him. Uh, and then he crazily jumps off the roof uh, and almost hurts himself very badly. <laughs> um, and uh, the radio host. Uh, so it would be funny if he broke his leg. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, snap to credits. <laughs> it's a like rampage over. <laughs> no yeah. more killings for that man. <laughs> yeah. The radio host comes out talking shit. And he's like, you guys are fucking losers. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you gross little kids. Uh, I don't really know well, what else. He, he's got like weird insight into both of their lives. Where he, yeah. he just knows stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, kind of hilarious. He's so mean to them. Uh, yeah, and I think Lori's watching all of this too, by the way. Uh, at least some yeah. of it, yeah. Uh, so Corey goes home. His mom can smell Allison on him, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, she gives him yeah. a slap. She gives him a slap and a kiss. It's like, oh my baby, I'm so sorry, I slapped you. Did I say that? That in reminded time? me of the Adams family uh, <laughs> when uh, when Fester gets slapped by Doctor Pinderschloss. Mm. <laughs> she oh, does the same baby. thing. Yeah. Where it's like it's a slap immediately followed by a kiss. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Uh, October- toxic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a toxic relationship. Uh, October 31st, Corey's sleeping at the dead kid's house. I think this scene is stupid, but I do like how Lori is introduced. I thought it was kind of fun. This was weird, because I have actually seen people point to this as a dream, but I don't think... I, I, don't, I didn't interpret it as that. It would make more like, sense as a dream. It. But I didn't interpret it as that. Yeah, I, I've I've seen people online interpret this moment as a dream, like Lori is a projection or something. But I I didn't interpret it as that, and I kind of hold to that because when he when he hurts himself later in the movie, it seems to call back to this. Um, and yeah, Lori is like sitting in this rocking chair, and she's like folding paper airplanes, much like he was doing with the kid. Uh, when the thing happened um and she makes mention of wanting to help him and the concept of both evils external and internal and she wants him to stay away from allison uh he counters that by saying like you're holding allison down like you're keeping her in that state of trauma by like preventing her from growing and moving away from it um and he tells her that she secretly wants michael to come for her which mm-hmm. may or may not be true, Maybe. but that that does call back to that idea of like post trauma, like just waiting for the bad thing to happen all the time, like just expecting it, basically expecting the boogeyman to show up at your doorstep. Yeah. Um, and then she Batman's out of there, which I guess <laughs> maybe reinforces that idea of this being a dream, Lori. I don't know. I'm the world's greatest detective. You said she Batman's out of there, so I was just thinking of that. Uh, yeah, it's like, if I can't have her, no one can. And again, we get another fucking scene with Corey and Allison. He's like, your grandma wants to kill me. Uh, we got to get out of here. Like, we got to get out of here tonight. And I guess that's the plan at this point, is they are going to try to get out of there. Um, and then Corey goes to get a new mask. Uh, from old Michael Myers. It's not a new mask, a different mask. <laughs> a very smelly mask. Uh, this is probably one of those moments that like the Michael Myers, not Halloween movie fans, but Michael Myers fans out there are probably up in arms about. There is a petition, Kyle, 
uh, to have this movie reshot <laughs> and re-edited because there's a lot of people that are really unhappy with this movie. Um, but this sequence in particular is probably one that a lot of those people would really strongly object to. Well, I'm sorry. It's a gotcha bitch moment because it's like, oh, we're really upset the hell this was made. It's like, it doesn't matter. You paid to watch it. That's all we needed yeah. you to do. It doesn't matter if you liked it or not. Yeah. That's what, they, that's what they're yeah. doing. They don't have to make anything good. They just have to make it bad enough that you'll go see it because it's bad. Well, I mean, that's the nature of franchise filmmaking is if you put the right label and the right iconography on something, inevitably the people will come. Yeah. Sometimes in their pants for it. Um, and <laughs> Dude, that was, good. that was a good transition. I did not see that coming. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Corey and Michael have a, a... They get in a wrestling match. Like some straight up... like mat wrestling kind yeah. of shit like they they get in call they do a collar tie with each other they're sliding across the floor they're rolling around on the ground and Corey def- defeats he defeats michael myers and he removes his mask and he's yelling at him you're just a silly man in a Mal- halloween mask yeah. and he takes that mask and puts it on himself and then we do get that michael myers sitting up thing just to remind the viewer it's like he's not dead he's not dead like he got he got his ass kicked by a kid but he's, he's not dead um yeah and uh yeah cory cory begins his rampage i guess the idea here is that he's gonna quote burn it all down before leaving haddonfield yeah so this is this is supposed to be like i guess him taking vengeance on all the people that he felt wronged him and then just like completely burning that bridge and disappearing into the night uh but he like scrawls uh the word psycho into the Michael Imperioli kid's car hood, uh, presumably to bait him into coming to the junkyard that evening. Um, we have a moment with Allison and Lori, where Lori has this great line, you can have a good life, just not with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty, see, this was so reasonable. This is like calling back to those like turbulent, really young relationships where it's like, you're getting married? You're having unprotected sex? You're 21? You don't know this kid? Just maybe let's let's pump the brakes a little bit maybe don't run off with this kid it it it's the thing that felt the most it felt the most grounded so far it's just like let's just take a step back but allison and allison's not having that she's she's made up her mind um and then we get Corey with the jocks so we get to the junkyard but i just need to point out ron uh stepdad mm-hmm. ron is watching hard target that's <laughs> nice <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme, John Woo classic, Ard Target, uh, which is a previous episode of Catching Up on Cinema. That's what I would be doing on the late shift at work if I could, uh, watch some JCVD films. That's when those movies are supposed to be watched, is the late shift, yeah, for sure. Oh, I, I wish I could live that life. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> the kids, they pull up in their car at the junkyard, and uh, <laughs> I nicknamed him Billy Badhair, uh, is the first to get it. Um, so the kids, like, get out of the car, and they start looking around the junkyard trying to find Corey. Um, and then they come back to the car, and uh, the kid with the really shitty hair and the bleached eyebrows, uh, he got stabbed He got stabbed in the eyeball uh, off screen, unfortunately. Yeah. I was like, Billy's already um, dead, homie. Yeah, Billy got it. <laughs> then things accelerate quite literally because uh, a tow truck comes just rushing out the gate at them, and uh, the husky gal with the bad hair, uh, she gets runned over and this is kind of hilarious because she's like trying to scale a fence and yeah. <laughs> the truck hits both her and the fence and she gets flattened she's not dead though no she gets she gets trapped under the fence and the truck yeah i was like holy nice. fuck that sucks uh, um 
Yeah. And then the, the jock uh, goes to Ron to get help. Yeah. Uh, he goes to Ron to get help, and then he ends up... He accidentally shoots him in the head. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but can we talk about how uh, Michael Imperioli Jr. gets it? Because it's pretty... Oh, it's, go for it. It's pretty it's great. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how he ends up getting knocked down, uh, but he's on his back, and he's unable to get up. And we saw earlier, we forgot to mention, Corey was working at this junkyard and he was taking a blowtorch to some metal. Well, he knows how to he knows how to light up that, that, that torch pretty quick, and he is fucking blowtorching Corey uh, uh, this kid's face alive. Yeah. It right into the teeth. It's pretty awesome. I've that is a new one for me. It is a creative kill. I have not seen that on um Oh no 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 no! I'm wrong. That happened in Hostel. Spoiler alert. Uh, we did yep. get a blowtorch in there. Uh, but yeah, this was, was the eyeball, though, right? Yeah, it was the eyeball. Uh, but yeah, yeah. blowtorch to the teeth. Like the mouth is pretty fucking brutal. And what's happened? What happens to the girl that's still alive? She doesn't make it, by the way. So the, the other gal, like the the nasty one with the mouth, uh, she also <laughs> got killed off screen again, unfortunately. But you know, maybe the studio had issue with like these seemingly pretty young kids getting killed. Um, but the the gal who's oh, show up to the yeah. fucking fence. I know for real. No, actually, David Gordon Green seems to have a. Uh, he does seem to not be shying away from killing children in these Halloween <laughs> movies because Halloween 2018 had the kid that was on the hunting trip with his dad, uh, like in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So you know, ch- kids are on the table in David Gordon Green's Halloween films. I I respect that. Um, but the the gal who is trapped under the fence, who throughout this entire movie has been the only one of those awful kids who's been like she's the chucky not not the child's play chucky the rugrats chucky of the group i don't know if that's such a good idea guys that's her um so she's been kind of like taking it easy on Corey. um he jams his heel into her face and that's it explodes. right yeah it explodes very similar <laughs> very similar to dr wiley in halloween 2018 Oh, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So then he that, goes home. From yeah, there. but that's like the that was the most that we get. Like we just get we just get those kids. That's the most fun that we get to have. Well, yeah, a lot of this is unfortunately off screen. What we do get is really good. The blowtorch thing is actually tastefully shot, where mm-hmm. it's the details of it are mostly obscured because the face and the blowtorch are actually too close to the camera to the point that it's a little blurry. Mm-hmm. But you know what's happening like you do get detail in there but Corey goes home after that and we get a uh, recreation of the pov shot of a uh, young michael myers uh, grabbing a kitchen knife mm-hmm. uh, so Corey goes home and uh, it's implied that he kills his mother yeah and it's funny because this this whole stretch of the movie the junkyard in particular really reinforced like the uh the the stephen king vibe of it like this a lot of people online have said this, so I'm, I'm not new in pointing this out, but it feels very much like Christine, like uh, like some for- sort of evil force perverting and twisting and, and tempting uh, a young man uh, into turning to evil and then seeking revenge on the people that wronged him. Mm-hmm. Has a little bit of a Christine vibe, but also has a little bit of like a Carrie vibe in the, in, in the kind of relationship that he has to his mother and whatnot. Um, but then he has to go to the radio station, Kyle. And this yeah. is <laughs> Kyle shaking his head. I'm I'm curious why. This guy didn't have it coming, other than he just like 
called him out, like, just like, hey, you're a fucking weird little dude. Get the fuck out of here. And it's like, nope, this guy's got to die. But uh, this was kind of comical. The, uh, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, so all I took from this is we get a bit of a face smash. By the way, this dude is a little bit bigger than him. I think he'd have a bit of trouble smashing this dude's head in. Like, I feel like this guy would have gotten a hold of him and thumped his ass. That, that's the thing, is uh, Andy Matichak, who plays Allison, I think she's a relatively tall woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fellow who plays Corey seems to be an average-heighted man. So there's a lot of shots in this movie where he doesn't seem at all physically imposing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like, in terms of physical like stature and size... A lot of the people he's killing in this movie probably outsize him to some degree. Yeah, he's smaller than that little shit from Godzilla 2014. Like, he, the, whatever that guy's name is. I mean, at least Aaron Taylor Johnson there got go. abs, you know? Really? <laughs> uh, he yeah. put in his work. I mean, he, he figured out that it's like, oh, shit, if I'm going to be in, like, Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2 and stuff, it's like, I should look the part, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, this guy's a dweeb uh, The in this movie. But, yeah, he ends up f- smashing this dude's face in, and then he... We get a tongue snip, which, again, I haven't seen... I don't think I've seen an on-screen tongue snip. I have not. Yeah. And it's the, I think the reason why we haven't gotten it is because it's kind of funny. <laughs> because the the makeup that or like whatever practical effects they have to do to, to make it look real, it's just like, this tongue's not that long. Come on. This is oddly cartoonish, but I'm glad it's here. Yeah. Just because it's so delightfully excessive. It's, it's just it's, gratuitous yeah. fun. Yeah. It needs it needs something we, like this needed to be here. Yes, because the rest of the kills aren't really interesting. Because I don't even think there are any other interesting kills. Not really. No, I think um, that's. But it. yeah, he he smashes this dude's face in, and his jaw <laughs> is agape, and he snips his tongue off, and then we get that comedic bit where uh, the tongue is on the record player, which uh, every time yeah. the needle hits the tongue, it causes the music to skip. That's it's cute. Also. Um, I think there's a cameo here. I don't know her name, but I think this is Darcy, the male gal from uh, the Joe Bob Briggs show, like the, the contemporary version of that program. Oh, She's the receptionist um, before he gets the radio host. Pretty sure that was her. Not positive, though. But um, yeah, so he kills the radio host. And then we see uh, Allison at the diner. He's trying to she's trying to find him, but he's off killing people and burninating well she should have known from the very beginning when she had his number that this guy was no good he's got a fucking droid because she's got an iphone and she sends him a text message and it lights up green i'm like fuck man just get the iphone what what are we what are we doing folks but yeah well the thing with that is that like anybody who has relationships with people like who one person has an iphone and one person has a droid um a lot of texts get dropped yeah from time to time it's it's just apple's way of saying fuck you yeah uh, we only deal with our own (laughs) so like that would be hilarious actually if that was the reason everything goes to shit is that i sent you like 50 texts i didn't get (laughs) them it's really annoying my wife and i we use whatsapp we don't even use because she has a droid, so we just Mo- use, yeah. most of the world uses WhatsApp. Uh, but my brother Nick still has a droid, and for whatever reason, he is impossible to text in some place. Like it's just he's the one person I have the most difficult, and he's the one I want to send funny gifts to. Those are really hard to get through to droids. Well, the girlfriend has a droid. Oh. I can guarantee there are there are many audio files and many uh, internet links that she just never gets. And I'm like, did you get the thing I sent you? And she's like, no. No. It's <laughs> so annoying. We live uh, in the same house. How does this not get to you? Uh, yeah. Anyway. So now, 
Corey is coming for Lori. Hey, that rhymed. Yeah. Um, but Lori is getting ready. Uh, she seems to know that he's coming for her. Somebody with a knife is coming for her. Uh, she's got herself some booze. She goes up to her little writing room. She's got a gun, and we can kind of piece together what's going to happen next. Uh, she calls the cops and says that I think somebody's killed themselves. Like somebody's yeah. committed suicide. And we think that she is going to kill herself, but we get a big not. Because uh, he, this is, I did like the way this played out. Because they had, they had me fooled. I'm like, yeah, this makes, this makes sense. Kill yourself. I mean, if this is really bad, you're tired of dealing with this stuff. But please, do you want to, do you want to tell what happens here when she doesn't kill herself? Yeah. So, by the way, I did like that um, her, the background on Lori's phone is Judy Greer, her daughter. You know, that was a nice little mm. touch. But yeah, she calls the police to report a suicide seemingly preemptively. Um, and then she does put the gun to her head for a second, and instead she shoots a pumpkin, and we get a POV shot of Corey uh, standing behind the door. And then when the gun goes off, uh, he steps into the room, presumably to like, oh shit, did she do it? <laughs> to like check on her. Um, and then we get this like, shot where she she lifts the gun directly up into the camera and said do you really think i would kill myself um and then Lori don't miss uh she caps him like twice and he falls down the stairs um yeah and uh yeah he falls down into a heap and she unloads the pistol that's a revolver she unloads the gun Mm -hmm. and he's like struggling to get to his feet and she dares him to kill her like i I wasn't positive what this is meant to mean like is she actually like legitimately wanting him to do this um but before anything can happen uh we see allison uh pull up to the house and there is a neat little bit where the she never actually got her muffler fixed (laughs) so it makes her car makes a distinctive (laughs) loud noise so presumably he like hears the car pull up and he knows it's her car um and Mm -hmm. so to be a, a complete asshole uh he laughs at Lori and stabs himself in the neck boss move i, I mean, was kind of prepared can, you... for this to be the end of Corey. like i was like damn that's savage yeah uh yeah he stabs his own neck and then obviously allison thinks that Lori did it she's like why would you do that i'm like <laughs> maybe think about what's happening here think about this look look take take a look at your surroundings he has a mask he's in a jumpsuit got a knife He's in my house. I didn't invite him in. Maybe this was self-defense, but yeah. Well, see, what uh, this this is where things start to get straight up not good, if you ask me. Um, like everything else, I was like, I was like, I was okay with what they were doing, and this is where it starts to get eyebrow-raising weird, because this is mm-hmm. this was the turning point where it's like, this is where Allison does need to go full evil. Like this is supposed to be yeah. the break. This is supposed to be the breaking point where it's like, Corey was a problem, but a lot of his evil seemed to be very focused. Like it seemed to be he was seeking vengeance. He wasn't just a, a rampant savage monster like Michael Myers that would just kill anything that wanders into his path. But this was supposed to be the turning point where like Allison just snaps and you know the evil goes to her or whatever, and then Laurie is just left like I have no idea what to do anymore. Um, and then we get really, really dark with the story, uncomfortably dark in some ways, but it's not what happens here. Instead, uh, uh, Allison takes off. She just runs out the door, and we have a very quiet moment where Lori's like, just walking around the house, and then Michael Myers shows up. 
I completely forgot he was in this movie. Exactly. I was sitting here watching it. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is okay. This is over with. And I'm like, oh fuck, Michael's still alive. I'm like, there's another 20 minutes. I was looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, that's because Michael's still alive. He has to come back. Yeah. Um, I do like. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what's he gonna do with Corey? Because he was kind of chums with Corey, and then Corey kicked his ass and took his mask. I'm like, I feel like he's probably crossed Michael, and he's probably gonna kill him, and he does. Uh, he breaks his goddamn neck. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I kind of wanted Corey to just die by his own hand, and the ultimate, like, the literal ultimate act of evil, uh, like, that he commits is killing himself, so Lori has to suffer the consequence of losing her granddaughter. Uh, but no, Corey uh, is alive still after slitting his own throat. Yeah, at this point in the movie, I couldn't care less about, like, yeah. About, I just like, thought it was how, weird what, because what, I didn't I didn't need Corey to have comeuppance at that point. It's like the deed's done. Like like he doesn't like I don't there's no dramatic weight behind Michael killing him again. Like like that doesn't yeah, make any at, sense at, to me. At this point it's like putting mayo on a shit sandwich. It's like it's not going to make it taste any better. It's That's still actually a, shit a really sandwich. good analogy, Kyle. It's like <laughs> it, it really isn't going to change anything for the better or for the worse. It's just there. But yeah, Michael feels the need to stand over Corey and you know a person who has a slit throat and he's like oh i better kill him again and sure enough Corey wakes up and then he promptly snaps his neck uh probably could have killed him better honestly like if we're if we're gonna do that like if we're gonna kill the guy twice make it a juicy death like make it really nasty especially considering what he did to michael it's like he 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 straight up to quote what the kids would say sunned him (laughs) it's like he schooled michael myers (laughs) Yeah, break all of his limbs and then fart in his face and he can't get away. That's that's how you torture him. <laughs> oh, no, I can't move. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he's crumpled in the heap on the ground. Michael Myers just lowers the boiler suit. And the, do, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, this is worse than death. <laughs> the music keeps going. It's everywhere. It's a snap. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> it's in my mouth. Fade it's to black. It's in my mouth. I ate so much. Oh, they're in my uh, yeah. eyes. Um, so we get <sighs> knitting needle, knife hand, knife chest, knife other hand, fridge, <laughs> sidestep. That's this chain of events uh, moving forward. Yeah, so Allison, by the way, is she's like driving around and she sees that the radio station on is on fire and she gets a phone call from will Patton that he intercepted the suicide call from Lori. this felt shoehorned in like this felt like some production <laughs> note bullshit where it's like we gotta adr some shit where will Patton gets involved and gives allison a reason to come back to the house why did we have i'm gonna quote eddie murphy <laughs> hey baby you got a shoehorn <laughs> this is where um we just get a, a knockdown drag drag out brawl a real slobber knocker yeah. between Lori and michael myers that this is weird because this is where i started to feel the uh the weight the baggage of have having having franchise characters like this because for me personally like the character of Lori strode and like the relationship to michael myers is it's not really important to me but to a lot of super fans out there, it's like the reason to see, to continue to watch some of these movies. And for a, from an advertising standpoint, if you look at like any of the media or the posters, 
for this movie, it's all leaning on Laurie and Michael. And I get it. Jamie Lee Curtis is a big, big name for, for a lot of folks. But for me personally, it's like, I actually didn't mind telling a story about other characters. Like, But here it's like we have this, this whole... 10 15 minute ending sequence that is supposed to be this big blow off like this is the big wrestlemania blow off of of the big feud that we've been building to for decades but it's like i you know it's kind of past the point of caring a long time ago and it didn't really it doesn't really fit very well in this particular story but this is the ending of the movie is is our two most famous iconic characters having it out with each other and for what it's worth it's a fun scrap but it just feels out of place in this movie. Like it, it just doesn't jive with what we were building to the rest of the film. It just arrives kind of out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, we get kind of a a replay of, of Laurie and Michael's confrontations over the years. Uh, I think you ran down the, the list of some of the major beats of it. So I, I'm not going to go into any more detail about that. But needless to say, it's a it's a decent little scrap. It has some logic and some drama to it for sure. Like some of the counters that Lori employs actually do make a modicum of sense. I kind of wish her hand got put down that that like disposal yeah, though. I really nice. do kind of wish that had happened. Clip clip a few knuckles off. That'd be fine. I'd be. Okay I mean, that's that. very survivable. I mean, you might you might like start to see white or something from the trauma of losing those knuckles, but you're not dead. Like you can, you can still yeah. go a little bit after that. And like, I realize that's really fucking brutal, but we've, we've seen some pretty fucking brutal shit in these movies. Like, I, I think that would have been cool if Lori comes out of it with a Luke Skywalker hand situation, you know, she, <laughs> she got some Skywalker blood in her. Um, but you want to skip to the conclusion of the brawl, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, so, Michael starts choking. Wait, hang on a sec. We've got you're just a man who's about to stop breathing. She's like, you're not the boogeyman. You're not something supernatural. You're just a man, and she slits his throat. This is very uh, Nightmare on Elm Street esque. Because I take back any whatever power I may have given to you. You have no power over me. You uh, underestimate my power. <laughs> or excuse me. You underestimate my power. I, you know what? That scene is actually really funny. Where he's just like, "I have the high ground," and he just <laughs> like, "I, I told you." He just slices his legs off. Well, yeah, really I mean, he volleyball here. spikes him. He's like, "Okay, you just set yourself up for this, bud." <laughs> it's like a zombie running at somebody with a gun. Just, I hate boom. to play the Prometheus card because I don't subscribe to this line of thinking. Being as I know, yes, if you ran to the side, you could avoid the rolling spaceship or whatever. I'm sorry, you're really fucking scared. You probably wouldn't think of that in the moment. I don't have any problem with that scene in Prometheus. A lot of CinemaSins type people out there do. But in in the case of Revenge of the Sith, it's just like, jump to the side. Like, just over over there. You don't have to go over him, but I guess he was was feeling hubris. He was thinking, I could jump really fucking high. I'm really fucking strong. Yeah. I could jump so fucking high. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I hate you. I'm like, no, you hate your own arrogance because you're the one that did this to you. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be funny to see Darth Vader walking around with those uh, jumping trainer shoes with the the mm-hmm. elevated uh, like toe pads. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I must get better at jumping. <laughs> my master. Uh... <laughs> She slits his throat, and then he's not dead. He starts choking Lori, and then Allison comes in and that does was comical, something. by the way. 
when she comes into the room and breaks his arm. <laughs> oh. It reminded me of the, it reminded me of uh, Lex in a uh, Jurassic Park slamming the the fridge door on the raptor. Ah! Oh, that 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 battle cry that she gives running. It's it's one of my she favorite. She comes in the movie. door. And, ah! Ah! She committed. That actress committed to that. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. How is Michael Myers ultimately dispatched from this world? Okay, so a couple of details. That I, this is again probably me projecting a little bit, but I, I got some I got some Jesus out of this moment here in the kitchen. Uh, I don't know if it was actually there, if maybe I'm reaching a bit, but uh, Michael Myers is defeated uh, by uh, Laurie Strode um, pinning him to the like the the island in the middle of the kitchen. Um, with a kitchen knife but she also throws a fucking fridge on his kneecaps uh, to completely restrain him <laughs> um but yeah she's like she like pins his arm and stabs him with his own knife and stuff they beat the fuck out of each other um and i noticed where she chooses to stab him the seems i'm guessing this is something it has nothing to do with some jesus shit this is probably like hunting stuff i would be, i would not be surprised no she stabs him under the armpit like yeah so what happened was uh jesus was nailed to the cross yes and that's then, what i'm getting at <laughs> i'm not done uh <laughs> let me finish so jesus is nailed to the cross and then they think that he's dead so they go up to him and they stab his side with a spear to see if he's actually dead but he was dead yeah. at that point and yeah sorry i was just i was i was getting the whole story for you sorry yeah no the, were, I, the was okay. it the spear of longinus or lance of longinus uh, some movies probably named it that. Yeah, I don't think it had a name in the Bible. I think but, it was just a spear there. But point point is the location. Longinus. <laughs> Longinus. Uh, point is the location where she ch- stabs him. I wouldn't be surprised if the reason for it is like that's a place that you stab an animal when you when you kill it. You know when you're when you're preparing yeah. to take it home or whatever, um, like a deer. Yeah. Uh, but they, it also seems very shoulder. similar to where the Jesus. Uh, was stabbed with that spear um and also he has the stigmata in the form of his fucking hand being sliced down the middle and he has holes in his hands and stuff so it's like yeah we got some jesus going on in this movie um and remember i don't have a religious background nor do i actually actively look for these things so to me that was like ah that's some jesus um but yeah uh she takes his mask off for a second during the scuffle by the way but anyway uh we get a montage of Lori's trauma as he's grabbing her by the throat um and and then allison comes to save her by (laughs) the timing is hilarious she shatters she just snaps his arm in half um and Lori slits his wrist uh properly by the way Mm -hmm. um and uh there's this uh neat kind of shot of like both the gal's faces reflected in the blood pools on the ground so they they just kind of bleed him essentially um yeah and the cops arrive and uh michael myers gets the spider-man 2 treatment uh, <laughs> i've only seen spider-man 2 one time i don't recall i know what happens in this movie but is that what happens in spider-man 2 so who gets the Spider- michael myers treatment in guy? spider-man 2 uh there's that sequence on the train when alfred molina uh spider-man and doc ock they have a fantastic brawl it's one of the best fights in superhero movie history 
And then the end of it is inside a train car, and Spider-Man is exhausted. He gets knocked out. Joey Diaz tries to stop Doc Ock. Doesn't work out. Um, but there's this moment where, like, the crowd is, like, hand over hand, like, crowd crowd surfing, like, Peter Parker. And he's, like, passed out. And his mask is off, so they all know it's Toby and whatnot. So it's just, just like, oh. <laughs> like, it was a crowd of people handling this, like, borderline dead body ever so delicately. But... It reminded me of that. But anyway, the whole fucking town comes together for a fucking parade. I mean, it's more like a funeral procession because, like, there's, like, they strap Michael Myers' corpse to the top of a car and the cops are like, I know there's a proper way of handling this. (laughs) We're we're not going to do that. that. (laughs) So the cops allow this. Most most people's phones are silenced at this time of night. So who's getting the word out that Michael Myers is being paraded? I mean, trust me, I, if someone's like, dude, Michael Myers is on the roof of a car dead and they're going to parade it by your house, like, we have to get up. We have to go outside. We have to go watch this. But I wouldn't get that alert, Trevor, because I have my phone on silent. So it's pretty incredible that they get the word out here. But again, yeah. it's a movie. Um, um, and then they put him in the shredder, which was... A good way to do this is like yes make sure that he is in pieces <laughs> that he cannot come back but he'll come back eventually yeah no he, he will inevitably come back but this is the writer's way of trying to definitively spell out to the viewer he is dead he is red mist he is he is gone from this <laughs> earth like there, there is absolutely no way chunky salsa michael myers is going to reconstitute and come back and get you oh, that sounds good uh, because they did leave the door open in movies like Halloween H2O in very sloppy ways where it's like, oh, I mean, he's been decapitated. There's absolutely no way you can come back from that. It's like, well, you know, if, if you know, the producers he get in your ear and say, <laughs> make sure to film a scene where he takes some hospital guy's clothes and like swaps outfits with him. So it's like, oh, no, Laurie cut the head off the wrong guy. <laughs> no, this will be so... What they'll probably do with this franchise to bring it back is they'll just they'll just start all over again. New Lori, new Michael, all that jazz. It'll happen like oh, about five or six years, I'd say, or two. <laughs> I mean, it, up to this point, like I said, there's been a lot of weight placed on the Lori and Michael relationship. I think the right way is to call it quits with Jamie Lee Curtis because she's done yeah. so much good for the franchise. Like she really has like gone out of her way seemingly to like buoy it because it, it really did get to a point like rob zombie like we never really mentioned this but he did actually kind of save the series like say what you will about the quality of his movies in terms of like box office draw he really did pull them out of the fire because they were headed mm-hmm. they were headed towards direct to video honestly with the franchise if not for the success of his films but jamie lee curtis has had a similar effect on the franchise like whenever she steps up with the exception of Resurrection, the the franchise does better for it. Um, but at this point, it's like, I think it's time to do something. To act, like here, two-thirds of what we did was different. But I think it's time to actually do something different now. Uh, I was going to say, I talked to somebody very close to me in my family who said that they love Halloween H2O. Uh, I won't say their name, but you know them. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, do you want to talk about Will Patton bringing vegetables? Because you like this thread. 
uh, I did. I did say I like the vegetables. spread. I like that one interaction. You said it was nice. That interaction was nice. I like your face. So I like your you. face. <laughs> I love so that. <laughs> it's like uh, Ben Aww. Affleck in Batman versus Superman. I like those shoes. <laughs> that was great, but um, no, I don't Ugh. like this. I don't like this thread. I just like that that sequence, but. Yeah, okay, um, okay. we get a narration here after Michael Myers is put into the the crushing car crusher car smasher machine. He gets uh, his head pops like a fucking tomato. It's hilarious. No. <laughs> like you can't not laugh at it. But um, I think Lori finishes writing her book, and she has a line here that actually spits in the face of of this movie. It's kind of funny. It feels like maybe this was a, a holdover from a previous draft or something that didn't end up being the end, like the finished film. Because she says, evil doesn't die, it changes shape. Which is a callback to the, the pumpkins uh, during the title sequences, you know, shedding their skin and changing shape and whatnot. But the reason I say this spits in the face of the rest of the movie is because had we followed through with Corey and or, like, I, I do think and would have been really cool if like a pair of killers took over from michael myers if Corey and allison taking over from michael myers like if he had followed through with that this line would have made sense but instead it's like oh no michael myers came back it's like oh evil just happened to continue to maintain the same shape for decades apparently um anyway will Patton shows up and he leaves her vegetables and flowers and he tries to take off but she's like come here like, let's 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 talk for a minute and then they sit and chat and presumably they're going to go to japan together to go look at cherry blossoms or something because he did mention that earlier <laughs> um sure i not a great end but okay. um, we get shots of the empty house which i believe are evocative of the original halloween where it's just like michael myers is missing and then we have just like shots of the neighborhood and then uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, I think, closes out the film as we head into the credits. Mm-hmm. It's a weird yep. ending. It's a weird ending, man. It's a weird movie. Yep. Um, unlike Lords of Salem, I got through the other side hating this movie more. Uh, wow. I think this was, this was stupid. Uh, the first David Gordon Green one was good. The other two can eat a dick. Uh, I look forward to them revamping this franchise again here in like five or six years. <laughs> I mean that's that's unfortunately the truth of it. So don't don't yeah. be too butthurt about it. They'll try again later. Um, <laughs> and if we're still doing the podcast at that point, we'll do those too. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, I I I don't mind this movie for the most part. I do think it ends very poorly, um, and it it frustrates me to no end to see clever ideas, ballsy ideas put forth and then pivoted away from so aggressively. Where it's like, man, if you hit, if you just let the story take you where it, where it needs to go, instead they forcibly jam it down a different path that presumably the producers expect most people expected most people to be more interested in. You know, Michael Myers and Laurie Strode having a fist fight. The problem is the rest of the movie is in no way in service to that. It's like if you're got, if you want the story to end up there, you need to tell the correct story leading up to that but instead we got two-thirds of something different that i actually had no problem with at all like i was fine with i was fine with the Corey story i found it compelling i just wish i just wish the Corey character had 
been present in the other movies. I wish we had more time to see the evolution happen um, because this, this sort of uh, retconning a character into the series continuity is, is not new, not in this, I mean, not really in this franchise, but I've seen this play out in many other franchises before. Um, only problem is like in the case of Corey, I think maybe it would have been too deep a cut to try to connect him with Michael Myers earlier in the timeline or something like that would have been too convenient to the point that it would be artificial. Um, but anyway, I, I actually don't, I don't think this is a terrible Halloween movie. I think it's a kind of a mid tier one, uh, kind of similar to Halloween too, honestly, where it's like, it doesn't bother me that much. There, there are like much worse Halloween movies out there. So this, this was an okay watch for me personally. All right. Well, I mean, we don't have to agree with each other. Oh no, I'm I'm glad you got I'm glad you got something out of it. Uh, I did get the 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 band the band that I like. <laughs> well, at the very <laughs> least, I, I will say it is it is shot pretty well. It it looks nicer to me than Halloween Kills did, um, because there's some there are some sequences, not all of the movie, but there are some sequences in Halloween Kills that I found to be very cheap looking. This one is very consistently like on top of it when it comes to the lighting and the production design like it, it's a pretty handsome movie for the most part um could have done with some more explicit and gratuitous kills but um yeah it's fine <laughs> anyway uh this was our review of david gordon green's halloween ends uh regardless of how kyle and i felt about the movie i really enjoyed this conversation i'm really glad we took the time to actually do this one because uh i'm pretty sure we were both pretty busy this month but Anyway, uh, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias on the Instagram at catchinguponcinema, as well as the Twitter at catchingcinema, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. so fucking Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.